Welcome, Dynasty Wonderland audience. It's one of your co-hosts, Aaron, the salary Captain Stewart here. Uh, don't worry, Ryan's going to join the show here in a little bit. We've got something a little bit different. It's We've got NFL regular season is starting this week. We're hoping we're going to have some friends of the Roto Underworld and the show, the DF pod. I'm oh, sorry, the D, DW underscore pod. Man, I'm already messing this up. I'm missing Ryan, but don't worry. He's going to join us shortly. In the meantime, we have probably our best friend of the show. We've got the EDG. Chris is here on the show with us. Look, going to be honest with you folks. We don't have a show sheet. We've got the regular season slate of games. There wasn't a whole lot of news that happened. We're hoping that people jump into the show, talk us through whatever they want to talk about week one. I have been preparing my first in-season article, wide receiver cornerback matchups. I definitely have some receivers I like and I don't like for the, the slate of games. And the EDG, he's he's got some great takes as well. So, Chris, man, EDG, how you been, brother? Oh, you know, I've been good. I've been sweaty just getting ready for this season, man. I've just been in, like, online chat lobbies just – having heated conversations about third string running backs on bad teams and how much workload they're going to get. I've, I've been perusing Reddit just to make myself feel better about all the bad takes that are on different platforms. You know, the usual, you know, not doing my, my day job so I can be even worse at my night job, but um, you know, just, uh, just doing it. <laughs> I mean, living the dream. I know it is so hard. Like the excitement level is, is through the roof on this. Like I'm just hoping for such good content. Like, bringing fire bringing fire takes you know there's nothing oh we got we got someone that's going to join us here let me let him in here you know what it is too it's uh while he's joining it's like it's such a uh it's it's such a bittersweet thing to have the season back because i obviously you want football i want to start watching football and enjoy football but all the joys of the offseason are over like drafting best ball teams that are going nowhere and having these heated takes and the fact that like in in the offseason everything's good your team has hope your season has hope you can feel good at the game and then once the real games start getting played and you remember oh yeah i'm terrible at fantasy football and 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 oh yeah my favorite team is garbage and oh yeah this game is fucking bullshit every time a 80 yard touchdown pass that would have won you the week gets called back on a pi and then you get to week 11 and suddenly you're not watching nine games a week just five games a week and you're like oh man like it's just been a long season so it's it's obviously man like having football unbelievable feeling but there is like that that contradictory feeling because like i'm gonna draft my last best ball team on wednesday and and it's it's gonna be sad and i mean in season best ball sure but like it, it it's not the same <laughs> uh, yeah i know i uh i'm looking forward to i i dabbled in best ball and i'm gonna be even better prepared next year honestly with the help of the first time we had you on the show i oh man when when i went on cody's show the the, the early riser show, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> like, that's why it always sounds great because I'm in all these leagues and that just means my Tuesdays absolutely suck because of waiver claims and everything. And every time I say I'm going to cut back on leagues, I go the other way. <sighs> I truly hate myself with that. And, and I'm going to pause real quick. I know we've got brother. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to forgive me if I mispronounce your name. I have a you know, Texas Southern draw here. Is it a cash? A, Correct me. Please correct me on that. If, if you're there, we also can't hear you. Nor can we see you. You're like John Cena. We can't see you. It's Akash. Can you hear me, Akash, guys? There Akash. we go. Hey, Akash. what's up, buddy? 
we were able to hear you. You still with us? How'd you do that for a moment? It's um, because I mispronounced his name. And shame, yeah, it's, it's me. It's this is this is what we need yes. Ryan for. Ryan's the substance, you know. Like Ryan's the foundation. He's the style. You're you're the substance. There we go. I know Ryan. He needs to put those kids down. He's got like my audio coming through. There we, oh, go. There we go. Now we can hear you. All right. Yeah, I unplugged my headphones. Not sure why that those were causing the issue, but how's it going, guys? Oh man, we're excited. It's regular season is here in a few days. Oh, the grind of off-season content is through. Justin, now the to... grind of weekly content is back. Yes, weekly content sir. that's going to mean nothing three days after you post it. It's the yep. best. Oh, I God, love the, it. The news cycle is quick in the NFL. So quick, so quick. We have literally had shows because um, if, if you haven't listened to the show before, like uh, usually we've got Ryan on here and, and him and me, and sometimes we have guests on, we go through all the news. And we have literally had shows where we record a show, we're finished, we go to sleep the next morning, it'd be a breaking news. And it's like, yeah. So by the time our show goes live, it's, you know, people listening are like, hey, you missed that really big signing or trade. (laughs) Yeah, or bad. Yeah, no, with Schefter saving his tweets for 3 or 4 a.m., it's tough to keep up with the cycle. It's crazy. I don't know how that guy does it. Like, I know it sounds like a dream job, but that sounds like, Horrible job. I don't know how he sleeps. How he does anything. He was on the Ad Adam Levitan's podcast, and he was saying he he literally does not sleep for for like more than a couple hours at a time. Like like he he just falls asleep, wakes back up in a couple hours. That's like, so like continuous. Like that's how he lives his life. Ooh, that like I just can't. Like I I got to a point with with work where I would not to that degree, but I'd work kind of like that, but. Man, like you can only do that for so long, and it starts to take its toll. But mm, prayer, prayers for Shefty on that. Please don't oh. die from exhaustion. But you know, really, on, on our show today, normally we would have a show sheet, but really, this is just—it's a special. It's regular season is is here. Uh, we've got the slate of Week One games. We've got takes. Uh, I was telling the EDG and the audience that's going to listen when this goes live that. I'm already working on my first in-season article, receiver, cornerback matchups. I'm looking to – I set some some pretty tough rules for me. I'm, I'm looking to – if I'm telling someone to sit a receiver to not play them, it's a guy that's starting in over half of the ESPN leagues. So, you know, we want some bold takes. I, you know, no one's saying don't start Nicole Hardman because he sucks. Um, you know, I th- there will be substance to this. There will be my reasons why but my week one sit is going to be Robert Woods, you know, receiver drafted pretty high by, by people that have gotten out of their drafts. And for starts, I'm looking at guys owned in less than 50% of ESPN leagues. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's an article that people can read and go, Oh man, I really need someone I can put in my flex, maybe a Hail Mary at wide receiver two spot. And they can hopefully go and pick them up off, off waivers, maybe the date of, uh, on that one so you you working on anything this this season for player profiler i haven't looked at the article list i am not uh focused on anything in particular right now i just uh shifted over to a new day job so i'm focused on that right now but definitely prepared to get the hot take machine going um as soon as i can absolutely well let's start get, let's start getting it going here what what is you got a hot take for week one here yeah, I mean, uh, you were just talking about kind of under 50% uh, 
started players. And I, I don't know if you meant started or rostered there, but uh, in one of my leagues, I'm thinking about starting Marquise Brown. And obviously, I'm pretty deep a receiver in that league. Uh, but I think he he actually should have a, have a good week one. Rashad Bateman's obviously going to be out, and I think that's one of the big reasons that he started to flip towards that wide receiver four range in drafts. And I mean, I I don't know why he was going so late. I mean, he he had a very productive second half of the year uh, last season in 2020. Uh, he's had a very good rapport with with Lamar Jackson. You know, Bateman's out, and that's one of the big concerns that people have had with with drafting. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, he he's dealt with that hamstring injury, but he, he's back now. Uh, like like he's been practicing for the past week or so. They're playing the Raiders, uh, very very notoriously poor defense. Uh, so I I, th- I think he should be have a very good matchup, and I mean he is that upside to to really blow up in a week for you with that with the speed he's got. He he can have a 15, 10 to fifteen point play. Uh, just on one one eighty yard touchdown, so uh, I think he's a good guy to to look at for week one. And that Raiders secondary is just yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so poor. They, Monday night hammer. I definitely love it. Listen, the that's like a huge mismatch. I'm actually working on uh, like my weekly thing is just going to be like straight bets, and Ravens are minus four and a half points. The Raiders on the road, which is a crazy low line, they're going to blow them out of the water. Taking yeah. that all day, but I also love what you said, Akash. Like. The Raiders receiving room is a great place to look for week one production, especially like in DFS. But the one thing I'll differ on, if you want to put your chips on black, I'm putting my chips on red. You want Marquise Brown? I love it. I'm taking Sammy Watkins solely on solely on speculation and trends that week one comes out. Sammy Watkins straps his boots, he eats his (laughs) breakfast, he calls his mom to say I love you, gets on the fields scores you 40 fantasy points and then he recedes to the water never to be seen again until next year so i'm just going with the sammy Watkins week one narrative but nothing you said is wrong i definitely like it all and i and i think at, at the very least we're both targeting the right place to find inexpensive fantasy value for week one and that is the raven secondary because they're gonna come out and just torch the raiders yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's up with Sammy after week one. <laughs> but week one, he always seems to eat. One week wonder. I I'm putting him in my DraftKings lineups, but I'm also putting Brown. You gotta you gotta spice it up. But Bateman not being there definitely matters. Yeah. No, I I I love it, but I gotta go with Watkins. <laughs> and I also wonder too. We we all know this isn't like anything new to people that that follow the sport of football, but Ravens obviously are very run heavy, but then the news came out today. They're down yet another running back for the season. And justice Hill hasn't been good at all this year. Like he it's possible. He would have been cut if JK Dobbins hadn't, hadn't, uh, what, what was his tour his ACL there. And, and, uh, the Hill, he ruptured his Achilles. It's like, geez. So you got two season ending injuries too. Running backs that were two of your top three guys at the start of the offseason. Now you kind of wonder, are the Ravens going to adjust a little bit? I, it's not that I expect them to suddenly become like the Chiefs and become pass, pass happy, but they, they're they down to, what, two running backs? They Do they have anyone on practice? Well, I, I think I think what it is down to is like it's, it's – they're an organization that over 15 years has been one of the best at self-scouting year in, year out, and I think they've acknowledged that the last couple of years – 
drafted. They're not making it to Super Bowls because you win championships by throwing it deep outside the, outside the numbers, and they haven't been doing that, and they're losing to inferior teams. So it, they made a clear effort this offseason to improve that passing game, and obviously those efforts got banged up a bit. But I think what we're going to see throughout the season is we're going to see the Ravens come out explosive and efficient like they've been. But once they have comfortable leads against bad teams, they're not going to overexhaust themselves. So that's why you can't take Watkins and Brown week one, because they'll probably have one 80-yard touchdown pass to one of those guys. But once they're up two scores going into the second half, they're just going to give it to Edwards, give it to Tyson, you know, who, whoever is going to be running it. And they're going to just close games out and save it for the, for the playoffs because they're an elite team. So I, I agree with you that we might see a shift, but I think game script will kind of inhibit it from being anything drastic. I think the, the one guaranteed, too, is the Raiders, no matter what, no matter if they're ahead or behind by two touchdowns, John Gruden's going to run the ball. That I had to cover the Raiders for the, the, the draft kit for player profiler, and that was just one of the saddest things. It just killed my soul to see a team <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> they, they stayed committed to the run, and then they doubled down with Kenyon Drake, and then they doubled down again with Peyton Barber. (laughs) Oh, it just, it's crazy. But uh, I haven't done any deep research yet. I I talked about the receiver cornerback match article. I'm also doing a second one for player profiler for Monday night. So I got the Monday night football game. Thank God that this season, there's only one Monday night football game to start the season. I don't know how I'd cover two games along with a wide receiver cornerback matchup. That would be so many words. I, I wouldn't sleep, but I've, I've been looking at that. And the one thing that's honestly stood out to me was, man, this, this Las Vegas secondary is so bad and they've invested so much draft capital. And that's the scary thing. And, and they cut someone, they cut someone that was a third round pick last year that yep. didn't play a game. Yep. <sighs> Mike Mayon. injured all of last year. And, um, he was apparently looking good in practice in training camp this year, but not good enough to make the team. Crazy. They are just burning draft capital at, at a crazy rate. Because Lynn Bowden as well, that was what a – he was third round. I mean, did he yeah. go right before Brian Edwards, or was it Brian Edwards, the next pick was Bowden? I think it was Bowden That's what it was, first. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Bowden first. But listen, they're going to bottom out, if not this year, then next. But they're, they're close to bottoming out because you – I mean – Anand and Matt covered it really well. The most recent uh, decision point, like it's you can't just keep making year after year such bad scouting and personnel decisions consistently and expect to keep winning games because they've won games at a rate that, you know, their point differential does not also show. So it's just that there it's that's like you can make a pretty surefire bet that the Raiders are going to bottom out this year just based on the history of what they've done. Didn't you guys hear though that Brian Edwards is Terrell Owens? You didn't guys, you guys didn't get the memo, I guess. I don't remember Calvin uh, Calvin Johnson having that many winning seasons on on the on the on the Lions. So, <laughs> unfortunately, a wide receiver does not push the win total by more than a game. So it's just crazy. Crazy. <laughs> we'll hope for the I'm actually though. I I'm actually though like I. There, I think I think we'll recover some fantasy value out of this team though because of Gruden and he, and he he does have like I guess good play calling because they always do a lot of offense but like yeah. I think outside of Darren Waller one of Edwards or Henry Ruggs could surprise yeah. us this year. Them cutting John Brown I think is a very good sign. I I don't know if how 
if John Brown asked for his release or what the circumstances were there. But the fact that they were willing to do that definitely speaks volumes that at least they feel good about that duo. And, and at least one of them should should have, have a breakout year. And uh, Gruden may not be long. I know he has that long contract, but it's not looking good if, if neither of them does. Yeah, it's it's listen. They'll find like nonsense reasons to string him along. He'll he'll probably make it five or six years. If I had to bet the over under how many years Gruden coaches in <laughs> Vegas, I would go under six and a half. But that's just that's just my bet because like he probably should get fired after this year. But they'll find someone to blame it on, either the GM or the quarterback, and then circumstantially that'll buy him another two or three years until there's just no excuses left. Isn't that what Mayock really is? I feel bad because I I don't know if these are really Mayock's decisions. Like they just doesn't feel like it. And, and sometimes you have these organizations. Yeah. Like these, these are just so bad and it's so easy to go John Gruden to go, Hey, I can't win. This is the Hugh Jackson thing with Cincinnati. Yeah. I can't win because they're not, or sorry, not Cincinnati with Cleveland. Yeah. I can't win because the, the front office isn't giving me talent. Now, obviously Hugh Jackson didn't have, um, much selection or any selection in, in the players there, but these feel like John Gruden guys because, especially the Bowden, was like they fell out of love with a guy in a matter of like three months. <laughs> Jeez, that's just not a sound process. Yeah, a lot, a lot of bad turnover. I ranked them at thirty-one in my power rankings. The only team I consider worse is the Texans, which I think everyone has the Texans as dead last this year. Yeah. Some people go Detroit Lions, but I, I feel that the Lions, they're going to be good. No, but it's, they're doing things. I like their initial steps on this because they are aware <laughs> they're not good. They're not delusional. And, and it's what I always tell uh, in dynasty leagues I play in, especially dynasty leagues with friends. When, when buddies ask me, Hey, you know, what, what should I do? Like who, who should I target? I don't tell them that. It's like, let, let's talk about your team. Like, what are you wanting to do? You know, if they're aware that they're a bad team, it's like, well, as long as each move you make makes sense with where you're at, you're rebuilding, get rid of the older players, get some younger guys, get preferably get some draft picks, start preparing for that next stage. And that's the lions in bringing this around to the NFL. The lions seem to be aware of that. They're, they're not, they're not fooling anyone. Uh, when yeah, Tyrell I mean, but Williams. also like these are also the same team. These are the same team. The Lions and the Raiders. If you put the rosters next to each other, trash defenses. Yep. They have they lean on the tight end, decent running back talent. They have like what a speedster that's maybe good and a developmental young guy who could be good. And they both have the two quarterbacks that everyone hates, but are actually like decent quarterbacks. They're just not elevating the team and unproven coaches. It's the, it's right. the same team. You the reason you put the Lions at thirty is because they at least have Penny Sewell. And uh, the the center, I, I can't think of, of his name. And Ragnow. Ragnow. Yeah, they have Ragnow and Sewell. And those two linemen with the teams otherwise being the same team makes the Lions a hair better. And, and kind of on that topic of uh, play, playing the strategic game in, in Dynasty, and, and I, I got to drop after this. So just, just wanted to thank you guys for having me on and kind of drop this this one one take for you guys and, and your listeners, uh, if any of them are, are in the dynasty. Uh, I, I don't think the 2022 class is looking too hot, especially after that week one performance by Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. So so I, if I were playing dynasty and, and looking at a productive struggle approach, I would actually try to be looking at 2023 first. Uh, there are a lot of good running backs uh, in that class. It's a much better quarterback class as well. 
And we know those are the two pit positions in Superflex Dynasty that really make up the core of a rookie draft. So I'd actually be trying to target those 2023 firsts instead of 2022 right now. Uh, I don't think it's the right time to sell 2022 first because those usually accrue in value. People get excited once that pick is on the clock. Uh, but I think that's probably the best way to approach uh, a long-term productive struggle uh, if you're willing to wait that extra year. I, th- I think that's the strategy to go with right now. Um, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't hate that for sure. I mean, listen, yeah. in 2018, if you sold all your 2019 picks for 2020 picks, those were way better picks. So yep. I, I don't yep. hate it. Yeah. Now we got DJU in 2023, Bryce Young, uh, a whole host of good running backs. Uh, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler did not play well yesterday. Uh, so th- they're not exactly mobile. They're kind of mobile, but they're, they're not Justin Fields, Trey Lance by any means. Uh, so, so I think that's the way to go. Uh, but thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, th- thanks for dropping by, man. And we'll, a- we'll absolutely have to have you on a, on a show in the future to have like an official – like first time guest on the show, you know, so yeah, especially sure. with Ryan on here, you know, this, this is Ryan's baby here. And then I just kind of helped, uh, got invited on and then he never kicked me off. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'd, I'd be happy to do that. Maybe I'll show my face then it, it's 1145 and I'm getting ready for bed. So that, that's why I did now, uh, here on the East coast, but we'd definitely love to be on again. Absolutely. We'll, we'll stay in contact with that. So thank you for Sounds dropping good. by. The Dynasty Wonderland Enjoy podcast. Night, guys. I love it, man. It was a pleasure, Akash. Can't wait for Thursday. Yes. <laughs> Woo. See you guys. See ya. All right. Uh, you want to hear something painful in regards to Thursday? I, oh my God, like after all the time I put into football, I have a work event Thursday oh. and it's to go see a Yankee game. So I'm going to have to miss football because of baseball. And that, oh, no. that, that, that feels like cheating on your wife with your wife's ugliest sister. Like it, it's like, come on, what are we doing here? What are we doing? It's just you're just it's just not a good time. But I'm gonna be that guy just in the corner on my phone streaming the game, being like, Yeah, Tom Brady, he's the goat. Aaron, did you see that play? Oh my god. It, it is because for listeners of the show, the longtime listeners, they've they've definitely heard me say that okay, yes, my NFL team is the Cowboys, but like I'm a self-loathing Cowboys fan. Like I sit there and I mean, I'm so used to them sucking. Like <laughs> in my time of watching them, rarely have they ever been good. Uh, my earliest memory of really watching the Cowboys, Quincy Carter was the quarterback. So some dark years. That was like early 2000s. So like, yeah, when and I they're even this- more painful because they should be good. And then they yes. fail you. Yes, like, <laughs> At least the Jets, like, I know that they suck. Yeah. Like, you're, and you're right. Like, both fan bases, like, there's always optimism at the start of the season, but definitely seems pretty quick. Sometimes it seems like maybe week one for the, for the Jets. It's like, oh, like, what, what is, uh, what is the scene from, from Waterboy? Oh, no, we suck. We suck again. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you oh. know, for Cowboy fans, like, it's, it's always a roller coaster, and I've tried. Like I've just become so numb to it, and I'm just level-headed. And I go, look, like this season's already starting off on the wrong wrong foot. Like our best offensive lineman, Zach Martin, COVID will not play at, at all. So it's like great going up against that defense, which we saw what they did to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and this offensive line that, when it's together and when it's healthy. There's still talent on the Cowboys offensive line, but already, already. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's definitely painful. I mean, listen, for the Jets, 
Like you come into the season just hoping that there's no butt fumble this year. Just let, let's just not be the worst highlight of 2021, and I'm good. The Cowboys, it's like Super Bowlist, and I, I don't. The Frank Martin thing hurts, but I, I still think this game goes over 51 and a half points, which is the line, um, the over under, because a, it's like the first game of the season. The NFL yeah. wants this to be a spectacle, and the old teams are going to come ready to play. I'm not worried about Dax South whatsoever. Um, I don't care about. Brady used to start slow. There's every reason to think this year he won't. And we already saw like the NFL last year promoted a lot of scoring early by calling like less holdings and such. So, and I think even with the banged up offensive line to come in, Tampa Bay's defense is highly overrated. Not bad. They're obviously great. I'm not saying they're bad, but everyone, especially casual fans, were all coming in with the last thing we saw. It's it's a crazy case of recency bias of like, yeah, what they did in the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes was incredibly impressive, but that was one game. One game in a small sample sport where mm-hmm. last season, plenty of fantasy points were scored against Tampa Bay throughout the year, and they were not like a dominant league-winning fantasy defense, and like this is a team that led up 26 points to Daniel Jones's Giants. Like this is a team that right. looks sloppy at times. And yeah, like there is definitely a lot of very talented players on that side of the ball, but it's not some legendary defense. It's just a good defense that's made to look better because it's coupled with such a powerhouse offense. But like, I think this game very much can score 51 and, and a half points. I was actually joking the other day, talking to my dad about it. And I was like, yeah, the only way I lose this bet is if they're like 24-24 with four minutes left. And if it's like third and eight on, on the 30 and Brady just airballs Gronk on a fade to the post and then they and then they kick the field goal. And the second I said that, I realized, and my dad goes, Chris, like you realize you just predicted the outcome of how you lose this bet now, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I should go hedge. <laughs> oh, man. It's, when I tell you that the Cowboys... <laughs> The Cowboys defense, surely it's got to be better than last year because last year was so freaking bad. But the Cowboys defense couldn't stop anyone. I remember I had Cowboys-Ravens Thursday night football game that was actually delayed because, you know, COVID really messed things up. So it was a Thursday night football game that got rescheduled to a random day. It might have been like a Tuesday or something. And and I, I would always give my prediction for the score. So, like, I would go, yes – Here's what I think is going to happen with the spread, the total. And then I'd like to kind of go, look, I've looked at this game in as many aspects as I think I can from all different approaches. I like to give an actual score. Uh, and sometimes I was, I was pretty dang close. I remember a Bears-Buccaneers game. I was like two points off from like calling it, and, and it was picking the Bears as, as a, a, an upset team to actually beat the Buccaneers. Now, back to the Cowboys, like I had a score. And it was perfect. They, it, the exact score for the Ravens, Cowboys, it was whatever it was. Ravens were up by a touchdown. It was late in the game. The Ravens had the ball. You, everyone knew they were just going to run the ball. And yet the Cowboys still couldn't stop them. And the Ravens, who weren't trying to score a touchdown because they just wanted to run the clock out, scored a touchdown. I was like, geez, Cowboys. <laughs> like, Defense was just gassed. Yeah. All you had to do was like, you know, just they're going to run the clock out. Just get a stop. Just one, just one stop. <laughs> so, yeah, but bad. it's, you know, too, like it's I mean, one of the first staples of trying to be like a more professional sports gambler is understanding, like narrowing down your focus. You can't know all 32 teams, but you can know a division really well. You can know a handful right. of teams really well. And you want to kind of focus your bets on those teams you do know. Like me, like right. I like to bet games where Tom Brady's involved because Tom Brady is we have a the largest sample size on him of any other player, essentially. 
and he's pretty predictable to a degree. So like live betting this Cowboys game should be pretty easy. I mean, of course, anything can happen, but you, it, what's really going to matter is who gets the ball first and early momentum because Brady typically scores more in second half. And if the Cowboys come out and they get the ball first and maybe they have a six minute touchdown scoring drive to start the game and they put up two touchdowns in the first half and maybe a field goal, let's say they, they're winning 17-10 going into the second half you know Tampa Bay is still going to score 30-plus points. And that's such an easy live bet. But if the game starts and let's say Tampa gets the ball first, they go on a seven-minute touchdown drive, score, and then give it to Dallas, who goes three and out. I mean, live bet right there as anti-Dallas as you can because now it's the situation where – the pass rush is just going to eat Dak alive all game, you know. So you, but you can pretty much tell those things off the cuff. And this is like a lot of games, but this is when you're intimately familiar with teams. So like, I'm not going to bet a game with two teams that I'm not that familiar with, and I don't know their player tendencies as much. But you can see it with a team like Dallas and Tampa. For me, at least, when these are two teams that are followed much more. I feel like everyone follows the Cowboys because they're always on primetime television. Yeah. You know, and then of course, like I keep up with whatever Tom Brady does. But it's, um, you know, that's just like that's part of it, too, like is focusing on games and areas of the sport where you have more comfort and familiarity, similar to what you were saying with those games that you try to predict the scores and you were so close. And then you just obviously can't predict the defense having zero motivation left to finish out the game. Right. Exactly. And they just want they, they already know they're 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 beat. And mentally, they're already in the locker room. They just need to physically get there. And, and what's funny is last year, so there was, there was a handful of Tampa Bay games. Tampa Bay was a team that I had a pretty good pulse on. I want to say there ended up being like three games in total because then when the playoffs came in, I was doing some playoff previews as well. And, and Tampa Bay just happened to be one of those teams that just felt pretty good. Like, I, I don't know how I phrased it, but I actually had predicted – the Packers to beat the Buccaneers that clearly didn't happen. But like, it was, it was more of like, after that happened, I was like, Oh, the Packers didn't beat the Buccaneers. The chiefs have no chance just because I was like, I kind of know the strengths and weaknesses of the Buccaneers. And I'm like, the chiefs are just a whore. Like the chiefs are a great matchup for the Buccaneers, (laughs) but the Packers were a horrible matchup for them. But you know, some weird play calling, you know, going for a, field goal late in the game that made no sense you know, yeah. things we can't control but i was sitting there i was like okay i didn't get that pick right but i was i put some decent money on the super bowl i was like yeah the chiefs were i believe a favorite or no sorry an underdog in that one i was like oh no 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 sorry i said that wrong buccaneers were an underdog team i was like oh yeah <laughs> give me them especially since you're giving them points tom brady as an underdog are you kidding me like yeah. easiest narrative in sports i took on October 26th last year, I took two futures. I took Steelers to win the Super Bowl and Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl, October 26th. So I did it week seven. I was like, mm-hmm. I saw Tampa was like four and three at the time. And I was like, all right, Brady's figured it out. Nobody's beating him. We'll yeah. see him in January. It's just, <laughs> and it, it, that's not even to sound impressive. Anyone who's watched football could have told you that. So I, I, I just went with the easy narrative on that one. But at same with like the actual Super Bowl, I took a ton of prop bets for Gronk to score touchdowns and like took like first half touchdown, one touchdown, two touchdown. And like, of course, Gronk's going to go. They, they signed him for the Super Bowl. Of course, yeah. he's going to score touchdowns. It's just sometimes it's common sense. Sometimes you overthink it. But I'm I'm gearing up for a big, big handicapping season. It's oh. uh it's going to be a good time. Speaking of that, real quick, one of the things I'm going to pause. I always try not to do this, but the show's a little weird because Ryan is eventually going to join in. Let me see if I've got a message from him. 
I don't. Okay. Because I'm trying <laughs> trying to make sure that that he has a link. Normally, he's the one recording. We're going to just bring him on to this podcast. So yes, I'm all about like proper etiquette. I don't like staring up at my phone ever during a podcast. So if ever people that are watching this video see me kind of glance down the side, it's because I'm just trying to make sure that that the OG of this show actually gets on the show. <laughs> but we have spent a lot of time talking about Tampa Bay and, and rightfully so. Like it's that's the first game. It's Tampa Bay and Dallas Cowboys and we talked about some of the Super Bowl. But people people want to hear about the weekend slate of games as well. I think so one of the games that caught my attention just when I was looking at like the, the total score, cause I was like, wow, I'm not sure how I feel about this is the highest scoring game of the week is Cleveland Browns and Kansas city chiefs. And I will also say I haven't dug into anything. It was just more of like, I saw that being the highest total. I was like, really? <laughs> that, that's, that's not one. I mean, yes, the chiefs score a lot, but like, I don't know. I, I don't see how the Browns keep up with that one, but, but what were some things that caught your interest kind of looking at games spreads? I, I know that you've actually got your own podcast that, that you've started too. That's kind of look into some of these lines that, that we're going to recommend our listeners go to as well. And we definitely want you to promote that show too. Like that just started, like you were messaging me some details. So feel free, like talk, talk about that show. Cause I think people that listen to us are also going to like whatever content you're getting ready to put out there. Yeah, no, I, I just recorded the first content today. I'm going to publish it soon. It's uh, me and a good friend of mine. We're calling it blockchain sports bets because he he spends a lot of time studying like cryptocurrencies and NFTs and, um, and like basically everything with the blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all that. And it's starting to get incorporated into sports and sports gambling. So like for basketball, for example, you can use NFTs and cryptocurrencies to bet on sports. And similar to shopping lines on sports books, you can shop lines in different um, I guess whatever they call them, databases. I'm, I, I personally don't know as much about the cryptos. I focus on sports gambling. So it's a division of labor. I, I tell you what to bet on sports. He'll tell you where to bet and keep you updated on everything cryptos. So I, I, I have five straight bets for this week. Usually I do three, but I think the slate this week is just unbelievable it's and week one is my opinion is the easiest week to bet because most of the narratives are driven by poor offseason analysis and like recency bias from playoffs and from the end of last year so i'm not going to give away all my secrets on this show you got to check out crypto parlay on twitter or blockchain sports bets on instagram or go to me the early down grinder on twitter and then you can find links to it but and i'm going to post it all there but I'll, I'll give you guys a couple um definitely i not that i'm betting this but you brought up chiefs browns and um i i i have fun speculation for that game but it's just speculation and i i don't bet speculation but i think that i think that the browns will win that game outright and i would put as like a long shot on a parlay maybe which is basically a losing bet anyway them on the money line or bet the over because the only way the browns win is by out muscling the chiefs it's much more likely they outscore them than they keep them capped defensively all game. Even if they like, let's say they keep them under 20 points for three and a half quarters, that last six minutes of the game when they're gassed, Mahomes will find a way to put up two touchdowns. But like, I think this Browns team, they're going to come out. They're going to Kansas city. I think they're going to come ready. They're going to come fierce. They got a lot better in the off season. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to come out and make a statement. They're going to say, this is the year of the, of the dog pound. You don't want to come to Cleveland. You don't want Cleveland coming to you. We just made mincemeat. We just made mincemeat out of Patrick Mahomes, even worse than Tampa did, but no one's going to notice because no one's going to watch. And I think 
I think we could even see them bully them with the running game. Like, I think we could just see Nick Chubb stomp over the Chiefs, go for 150 yards and two touchdowns, just have breakaway run after breakaway run, and then they'll use their receivers. They'll keep it. I think we could see Austin Hooper get a touchdown or two. I'm loving Browns and DFS, like sneaking one into each lineup or even doing a Browns-based lineup. Like, Because you could see a Browns player coming out with two two touchdowns. It, it could be Hooper. It could be Chubb. It could be Beckham. You know, and I just think, I think the Chiefs, I think this, I think this could be a slight regression year for the Chiefs in the sense that the product is a little stale where it's exactly the same as it was the last two years. And of course, there's nothing wrong with saying I have the best product in the league. How do I make it better? But they didn't make it different. And we could see marginally, instead of them going 14 and two, maybe they go 11 and five, 12 and four, because a handful of teams kind of figured out how they play especially after watching tampa unravel them in the super bowl that's the game script the blueprint and week one they completely overhauled the offensive line kansas city there could be some growing pains so i mean you have Clowney now lined up with miles garrett and you have an amazing offensive line and just honestly one of the best rosters in football of course going against what's the best team in football i could see them winning i'm not going to bet it this is completely speculative they can come out and lose 28 to 10 but I, I like the idea of it and I'm willing to put it into more, more volatile bets like a DraftKings lineup or a parlay or a teaser where your odds are very low anyway. It, and kind of going with the Cleveland Browns, that's actually been, I want to say I've been on record on this podcast of saying Cleveland Browns, that's, that's my Super Bowl. Like if I was to put money on a Super Bowl team, it'd be the Cleveland Browns. Cause I, I know they're not one of the favorites. I've called them like dark horse team because yeah, you look at that team, they improve. Like their, their weakness last year was defense. They were not good on defense and they went and brought in all kinds of additions up and down the, the, the front seven, the secondary, uh, some high draft pick capital is invested. They, they also brought in uh, what you've talked about quality of veteran guys, not necessarily name brand, guys like uh you take like a troy hill to, to be their nickelback like troy hill most people don't really know that that name but he was he was vital to the los angeles rams defense last year like, it's very good so i i love the browns this year and you were talking about austin hooper too hooper people are sleeping on him because overall in the season wasn't good but you really didn't want browns receiving weapons because they had that weird stretch during the middle of the season where Passing offense just wasn't needed or the weather was horrible. But I like pulling up that Austin Hooper finished the season with three straight top 10 uh, fantasy production weeks at the tight end position. He also started off started off slow. Of course, new team. That entire offense was getting used to Stefanski. But right, they started to get in. They started to mesh well, especially Hooper. And then he had, what was it? He had appendicitis I think or something like that that cost him like two games and just like all momentum like it's weeks four through six he had three straight top 12 games and then he was out for a couple and then they did this weird committee with Harrison Bryan and David and Joku but yeah Austin Hooper now like you, you're not drafting them in fantasy football but you, you talked about some DraftKings I go why not like the guy, guy was getting some he was he was being featured a lot he had if I'm looking at the game log right here a 15 target game. <laughs> yeah, but why can't why can't listen? Austin Hooper is not good, but why can't he be this year's Gary Barnage or Eric Ebron that one year yeah. with the Colts? He doesn't have to be good to catch 16 touchdowns. And it could happen. I even I'm even sneaking him out to the NFL roster's 
because actually a couple of my more recent best balls, a stack I've gotten, which I'm not even trying to get, but it just keeps happening is Baker as my QB two, Odell and, and Hooper, because again, like he could be Gary Barnett. There's always that one tight end. Last year was Tanya. And there's that one tight end that just is always there in the red zone. And it could be Hooper. I mean, they have a lot. It's less likely because of all the running back talent. But listen, last year was that everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Browns year, and right. they still did so good. And it was a growing pains year, and they went through the growing pains. And this is their window. The window now is open, and people have been saying it for a couple of years, but they've been a year too soon. The second year with the system, Baker Mayfield seems to be at his best overall. I know he was his flashiest as a rookie, but he's his best right now with his best weapons and the coaching step is cohesive. It just, it feels like a team with a lot of chemistry, a good unit, solid at every single position group. They just need things to break their way. And if things break their way, I agree with you. They're certainly in the conversation right now for a Super Bowl going into the season. It, but a lot of teams are going into the season. There's like what eight to 10 teams and that will narrow as the weeks go on and teams get injured and things happen. But so far, nothing bad's happened. And if everything goes their way, you know, cause listen, a, a big part of the Super Bowl is luck and health. I mean, a lot of times the team that wins the Super Bowl is just what, whatever top eight teams stayed the healthiest, you know, I mean, last year you can argue health played a major factor in that. So it's um we'll see with the Browns. I like them, but that that's a speculative pick. I'm not saying gamble that. Definitely put that consideration into your DraftKings lineup. Um, not not even that I'm a DFS guy, but I think it's a possibility. And then, but in terms of a game two bet for week one, we do have um I honestly I, I love all the away teams this week. I think the away most of the away teams are just stacked compared to their home team rivals. Not necessarily against the, the spread, but just for straight up wins it's we're probably saying nine away teams win this week. And um, one, I, one, I really, I think the lock of the week, probably the easiest play I see on the slate where I don't know why you wouldn't bet this is Denver going into the giants. Um, they're away, but it's a two and a half point spread minus right. two and a half. So you're giving me a field goal, which to me, if I get a field goal, that's straight up. I know they can still win by like a point, but do we really think it's going to be neck and neck with the giants? Like, just with with all the off season and the development and the bad O line and the injuries and the and the, the this and that, there is no better candidate for a team to start slow than the Giants or a team to just start flat, just completely lifeless week one. And and Denver is just being terribly disrespected. If you if you look at if you took quarterback off of every team, Denver has a top five roster, and Teddy Bridgewater is a massive improvement in terms of wins and losses than Drew Locke. Maybe not in terms of flash value but wins and losses will improve and they're going to come in and just dominate the giants at least by three points i mean it's a very easy bet of course you know anything can happen it's football but that's the best bet of the week is denver minus two and a half if you have money it should be put on that game (laughs) because it's just easy and we've spoke about the denver defense uh in fact you know i give you credit for like converting me to to believing in their defense. The school of Denver. Right, right. Well, because, you know, when when I did start kind of looking at things that, that you were pointing out to me <laughs> in the most EDG way possible, but, but like, I, I appreciate it because, like, you know what, I, I'll tell the audience, in which, first off, apologies to the audience. Yes, you did see me look down. We're trying to, to get Ryan on. He should be on in just a little bit. In fact, let me go ahead and get this link uh, to him in the Twitter DMs. That's what I'm telling him. I'm like, oh, man, I'm, like, trying to, like, 
I, I suck at texting. I can't be one of those, like, look straight at the camera and text. Can't freaking do it. So when you saw me looking down, I promise it's to get our favorite host on. So but with with the Denver defense, like, I've, I've been absolutely on board. And what's great is, like, we talked about it. Then we both, like, agreed. Like, you know, I started kind of looking at things you're looking at, and, and I didn't change my view just because you're, like, telling me I was wrong. I was like, no. You got some great points on, uh, on that. <laughs> but now we're starting to see like mainstream, it, it kind of sort of Twitter and then more mainstream coming around on that. And it's just nice that we're just sitting there going, ah, like, yeah, we've been calling this for like a, what, a few weeks now at this point. I've, I've been calling this ever since Sharp gave his uh, strength of schedule by Vegas win totals. I, I just wait for Warren Sharp to put that smart out every dude. year one and once i dudes. see because because you you have to have like an easy schedule for me to consider you a, a breakout defense and denver does it starts with the giants doesn't get easier than that so yeah he, that's just like the 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 most incorrect line i've ever seen in the history of incorrect lines yeah and yeah i mean week one is full of them and then like so again i'm not going to get too much into my specific picks because saving that for for my show but and for my twitter you got to go there if you want to <laughs> win money but you're gonna win gotta money. tease I, them a little bit i dude, love it I, I crushed it last year. I hit 64%. I mean, that's professional gamblers go for 55 and it's all on Twitter. You can see a public record of what I hit at last year. This isn't just my word. Um, And another thing, like I was saying before about having teams you're very familiar with something I really look at too, when I'm making my picks for the week is I, I want to eliminate games that have the most unknowns and the most variability in the outcome. So like, you know, a game like Pittsburgh versus Buffalo, for example, those are two teams that we should all be very intimately familiar with how they play and what to expect from them. Very little change from year to year. And in terms of a sample size, we have a larger sample size on these organizations and these units as a whole playing together. So we can pretty much get a very good idea of what's going to happen outside of the unpredictable, like turnovers, injuries, etc. Then there's teams that I don't care what you tell me, I'm not betting this game because the ability to predict it is completely unreliable. A perfect example is New York Jets playing Carolina Panthers week one. There is no bet involving that game that you're going to get me to take. I don't care how ironclad your argument is because we have zero idea what either of these teams are going to come out and do. The Jets have a new everything Mm -hmm. and the Panthers have a new quarterback from the Jets who's probably garbage. A bunch of new players on defense. It's only a second year head coach who's unproven. Like literally Matt Rule didn't practice red zone defense last year. Like what was that dude? So like A game like that where it's two teams that from last year to this year and even just the last couple of years, a ton of turnover, a ton of change at every level, complete black box players who are responsible for the outcome of the game. How can you bet that? How can you tell me confidently one team is going to win or the other? So just avoid games like that. Don't even don't even bother, you know, like that and games with that involve really bad teams and big lines because it's really hard to predict what a really bad team is going to do. So like the Niners are getting seven and a half points against the Lions. I'm just not going to bet it. Should they beat them by seven and a half points? Yeah, hundred percent, but I'm not going to bet it because when a, when a really bad team is involved with a really big line, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And I follow that, that same rule on that one. It was, Oh, when the Browns before Baker and they, during that stretch where they won one game in two years, like the Browns would be, 13 point underdogs but but when you put some context on you look back at those games yes they weren't winning the games but they were finding ways to freaking lose like there was like two games in a four game stretch two or three games where it came down to like weird 
field goal plays. But yeah, like I, I, the Browns was a team for a couple of years that I had a pretty good pulse when they were a super like underdog team. I was like, yeah, I'm not betting on on the favorite. On this it's, it's 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 multifactorial. There's the backdoor cover. There's teams not wasting their efforts. Like I was preaching, like, like if you you might have forgotten, but towards the back half of the season, a lot of people were saying the Chiefs had lost it and weren't going to make it to the Super Bowl. A lot of people because they weren't beating any spreads. They were winning games, but barely. And everyone's saying, oh, they're barely beating these bad teams. But I looked at it and I would say to my dad, I'd be like, hey, man, like, it's not that they're barely beating these teams. It's that they understand they're going to win the game and they're doing just enough to get through to next week because it's football's a gruesome sport and they need yeah. their players for playoffs. They don't care about the regular season. The regular season is no longer in the in the concern of the game plan for Andy Reid. He cares about week 19 on. So it's not that they were barely beating these teams. It's that they're so good. They don't they win by two. You win the game. It doesn't matter. You, you don't get more for having more points. So like. And that's what happens with these bad teams. I'll never forget. There was a game last year where the Jets were like 21 point underdogs. <laughs> and and I put them on a teaser. I made it 28 points and they lost by like 40. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you not cover 35 points? What the fuck are we talking about? Like, <laughs> Especially at the professional level. <laughs> like, geez, play with something, some urgency, some pride, something, anything. <laughs> so yeah like uh to tie this all back to like the bad teams big spreads i get it the narrative is i i've seen narratives where the detroit lions won't win a game like no you can't like it is it is more difficult for a team to go 0 and 16 than 16 and 0 because these these guys it's a gladiator sport and when these these players are putting their bodies on the line and and some of it their their mental health i mean concussions and everything like basketball sure it's easy to tank you can they, they had to start putting what, what was the half court violation because teams were just walking up the half court you can't well i want to say matt kelly said this on one of his recent pods like if you do that type of crap on a football field you're gonna die <laughs> you can't walk yeah. through a play well also pat mcafee talks a lot about how like lower paid players anyone paid less than three million dollars a lot of their contract is incentives and bonuses that extra sack you get is a fifty thousand dollar check yeah you know so like these these dudes are yeah like and all nfl players are trying to win maybe with the exception of guys who already had multiple contracts and they just don't care but like young guys want to win and and this is their audition for their next contract and like and what people need to keep in mind is at most and it like Statistically speaking, every NFL game is designed to finish within one score. That's just that's just how it is. Every NFL game should be a one score game. Now, of course, right. there's blowouts, there's upsets, <laughs> there's this and that, but there's there's supposed to be one score games. And even the worst team in the NFL is not as bad as you think, and the best team in the NFL is not as good as you think relative to each other. The, the, any given Sunday is a phrase that exists for a reason. So yeah, and and that's why like if you want to play these big lines, you do it on a bet, like a teaser, like you do a seven and, and a half point teaser, you make it 49ers pick them. And now I'm just saying, listen, the 49ers, you're going to beat the lions. I don't care about how much, but they're not right. losing the game They're Or it might be the Rams playing. I, I don't, I'm not sure. It's either the 49ers or Rams playing, them, but it's a team it's that's 49ers. much better. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. You got it right. So like, um, but yeah, but like you're saying, like, it's not basketball. It's not these other sports. It's, 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 I just I don't like betting it. I, I like games where I have a much better feel of the yeah. two teams playing each other. Now listen, if, if you find me a lifelong Lions fan and a lifelong 49ers fan and they come on in an agreement based on their deep understanding of these teams of what this game's gonna come out to, maybe I'm listening. But I'm not either of those guys. 
guys. So I'm betting on what I know. Absolutely. And let, let's see if there's an interesting game we can find. And actually, real quick, because I've been trying to like kind of catch these messages here. I think do, 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 do. sounds like Ryan's getting ready to hop on here in a little bit. Yeah, I've been, been wondering because, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, it's uh, well, it's still early for him. He's mountain time. Yeah, but oh, man, I, I can tell you a game I'm staying away. Dolphins, Patriots. I don't tend to mess with. Too many unknowns. Too many unknowns, yeah. Division games, too, are weird. Now, me, I'll do AFC East division games because that's my division. But, yeah, division games always have weird outcomes. And that's just, for me, it's too many unknowns. I don't know what the Dolphins are yet. I don't know what the Patriots are this year. I need a couple weeks before I start gambling on those teams. I need to see what they're giving me. So, for me, it's just too many unknowns. I can't confidently play it. And I guess what, what seems to be a real – because I'm going to look at the slate of games over here to my left. Cardinals and Titans, at least, like, you know, they, we kind of talk about well, – we, we should know what these teams are. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and Mike Vrabel have been the coaches there for, for a decent while. There's stability, too. I mean, yes, the Titans lost a couple of pieces, but Julio – you lose Corey Davis and future Hall of Famer Johnny Smith. You bring in Julio Jones. Uh, the Cardinals – they lost the what the, the corpse of Larry Fitzgerald. They bring in the corpse of AJ Green. Uh, it's it's interesting. I kind of view these teams as we kind of know what they are. But so now, okay. So let me with that game. Like so, I I I always like to package things into trends. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's that for me is two competitive teams where it's a coin flip. I cannot tell you who's going to win that game. Flip a coin. Right. You can make an argument for both sides, and they're very similar teams. And we're seeing that, too, with the spread, because Tennessee is the home team. They are currently favored as a three-point favorite. For people listening that may not know much about spreads, this is something I had to learn, too, is that a general rule of thumb, home team is given three points, a home field advantage. So Three points, yeah. Yeah, so that's literally what we're seeing right here. Tennessee is a home team, is a three-point favorite. So on a neutral game side, if these teams decide to play, uh, I don't know, Cleveland, uh, then it would, <laughs> that's what the NFL is telling us. Flip a coin. Either it could go either way. So yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from on that one. That yeah, it, if the, if it were reverse, if Tennessee was on the road, they would be giving Arizona six points, right. which is Arizona's the team you would expect to win. Better quarterback is probably the only reason. Um, but it's a coin flip, and in those games, if you really want to bet it, I would say bet the over because they're gonna push each other to score points. But oh. coin flip games for me depend on the spread, like Buffalo Steelers is a coin flip game to me because it's the same premise. It's two competitive teams despite the narrative. And that's why my first pick on the video I just recorded and I break down more details as to why it's a coin flip and not a one-sided affair as the line would make you think. Yeah. But now here's – I'm betting the Steelers, whereas I'm not betting the Cardinals because the Cardinals, I'm only getting three points. I'm not right. confident that a field goal is enough. You're getting six and a half points for the Steelers right now. Six and a half. By a point, seven and a half. You're telling me the Steelers that started 0 and 11 last year are going to lose by more than a touchdown in an otherwise even game? Probably not going to happen. So I'm willing to bet that. Because it's a coin flip, but I get a touchdown, not a field goal. A field goal is not enough for me to take a team in a coin flip game. If anything, I would tease up the team with more points or bet the over. But again, like I, I would never advise someone to play a teaser or a parlay because those are suckers bets. You want to yeah. just do straight bets and stick to straight bets for games you're confident on. And, and it's so tempting. It's so tempting. I know 
when, when I first started doing any types of sports betting, it's like, oh yeah, like that parlay where it could pay out so much. And, and I will say, luck was on my side one time. I have hit a massive parlay before and it felt great, but like it's discipline too. I, I do want to take just a brief time too for anyone doing sports betting. It's the number one thing. You have to, you have to be disciplined. You have to follow rules. Otherwise, you're going to lose all your money. You will. If you're not disciplined on that, it's, yeah. And you can't get, it. you will tilt at some point, but you have to, when you start to feel yourself tilt, stop. <laughs> like, just, yeah. It's, it's all about, it's all about maintaining a book and understanding yeah. what level of volatility you want. So like, I actually set my book based on an 18 week season and mm -hmm. I'm betting double my weekly allowance on week one only because I love the slate so much. I, I really think I can profit crazy on this one. And I'm going to take teasers and parlays this week because trust me from a, a lot of years of experience, like as the week goes on, the ability to differentiate these teams gets murkier and murkier and murkier, especially too, because it's impossible to keep up with all the roster volatility through injuries, cuts, trades, transactions, waivers. And the team that you were very intimately familiar with going into week one, it's a whole different team by week 11. Yeah. And, and when you have a whole off season to follow it, it's so much easier. So like the first five weeks of the season, in my opinion, or at least for me, I've had a lot more success betting very early in the season and very late in the season, but mid season is tough, man. Cause <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not what you expect especially as the seasons change and, and players get injured. And then there's the things you don't hear about, you know, the, the player that was playing through an injury that was just never re reported, you know, or, or, you know, things of that nature. So it's just like, I want to get it while I can. And I'm mm -hmm. very confident I can get it in week one. So I'm actually breaking the rules of sports book management a little bit of bankroll management, but I, I, I allotted a little extra bankroll into my bankroll to make up for it in case I'm wrong and I just lose every bet this week. Well, I think like, uh, you know, you say you allow it, but what was it you mentioned uh, towards the start, uh, start of this when we were talking about your podcast? Like you hit, what, 63% of your 63.6 <laughs> last year, which 60. is incredibly good, but that's a small sample. That's one season. Right, right. Listen, there's professional gamblers out there that have maybe had 80% seasons and then 30% seasons. The goal is yeah. over the course of 15 years, are you at 55%? So like as, as proud as I am of what I did last year, and I believe people should listen to what I say in terms of straight bets, I, I can't say with 100% certainty I'm going to hit at 64% again this year, right. but I can let you know with confidence that I believe I'll hit over 55. And if you take every bet I place one for one, you'll end up positive at the end of the year. But it's just, it's, you, you got to play that sample size too, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You definitely had some money you could spend here. I think, let's see. I, have, I think I have Ryan Tex. What do we have here? He says, he's going to see us. Uh, that was 16 minutes ago. So, man, I just feel like Ryan's missing some good stuff here. We're talking about this week one slate. We got some, you know, some good games to talk. I, I like. I like sports sports betting because I like the numbers on it. I really do. Like I, I don't do it for for greed or money or anything. But like it is also kind of a uh, as you talked about, we're analysts. Like we really dig into these teams all off season. And then two, when when we're doing fantasy football lineup decisions, like we have to go into these games and kind of predict a little bit about what we think happens. So for me, it was kind of the natural progression of, okay, 
kind of putting literally my money where my mouth is. Like if I'm, especially when I'm writing about wide receiver cornerback matchups and I, you know, I go, Oh, sit Robert Woods in week one, you know, that you know, maybe I should put a little bit of uh, money on Rams and Bears. Although that's a kind of, I think the Rams, that was one of the teams. I just didn't like the line. The line is odd. Like I just pulled it up to Rams are seven and a half point. Yeah. I usually don't, I don't like the touchdown ones. I usually look for the ones that are, had a field goal because sometimes I'll just find something where I go, look, there's no way that was, that was last season, middle of the season, bears, bears and Buccaneers where sometimes there's just narratives where people are like, Oh, the Buccaneers, like Tom Brady, they're great. And at that time, at that point of the season, like, yes, they did eventually figure it all out. That was the stretch where they were still trying to piece things together. And I'm like, this bears team is going to cause some, some, difficulties especially being there just seems team. like bears rams is like almost feels like a divisional game those teams like the coaching staffs are just lot. like know each other intimately and stuff and like i'm gonna say it's there's understanding narrative and then there's there's coming up with with opinions that make sense like i had a tweet i was looking back at my track record and because i wanted to see all of my bad takes from last year i looked at all my bad articles all my bad tweets and i wanted to see why was i so wrong and i I actually saw a tweet though that I loved. I week one, I, I took New Orleans over Tampa Bay. I took that line, made that though. That was the first bet I, I put out last year. And my rationale for it was that, you know, they're going to the dome. Tampa, Tom Brady usually starts slow and he's on a new team with a hard to learn offense. And literally, literally in my tweet, I said word for word, like this is going into week one. I was like, listen, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady are going to dominate later in the season and they're going to be a threat in playoffs, yes. but they're going to get blown away week one. And they did. And then they did and they did and they did on everything I said. And like, listen, again, I went through all my bad tweets. I had a lot that were bad. That was maybe the best tweet I ever put out because I predicted like nine months of football in one tweet. It was Love just it. unbelievable. Love it. And, and, you know, I have, I've definitely learned over the course of the year, like, especially in these articles, like, I'm going to be bold because what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm wrong. Okay. You know, it's not that I'm saying something bold just to be bold. It's because like, I'm looking at all these numbers. I'm looking at what the defenses do and how, what tendencies of the offense. And and like, I do believe in the the research. I try to get as much of the logic fallacies out of the way and just kind of go, okay, like, let's just look at this as unbiased as possible, which is great. So I really, and people are going to hate on me on this one. I don't tend to watch a whole lot of games. Usually by the weekends, I am just, I'm drained, (laughs) especially. And I love, I love writing and researching the sport of fantasy football, but I do that like almost 24 seven. Yeah. All all week. So, you know, by, by the time it gets to the football games themselves, it's like, okay, like I, I, the Super Bowl wasn't much fun for me to watch because I wrote about it. And then like, just about everything happened. You talk about like Gronk scoring a touchdown. I had that. I was like, Gronk's going to be involved in the red well, zone. I read your article and that also helped me push the button on all those bets. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, man. I mean, cause I already had those thoughts and then I saw you thought those thoughts and I was like, this is a good, good freaking piece, but no, I feel you. Listen, I'll, I'll do week, week one. I'll have two, two laptops up, two games on each laptop, red zone on the TV, a game on my phone. I'll be trying to watch as many 
minutes of his of every game from one and four o'clock as I can. I'll always have primetime games on, at least in the background while I'm right. doing work. Um, but by like week 11, week 12, the fatigue kicks in. Week 14, I might not watch a single game. Um, <laughs> it just it also depends on how good I'm doing. If I'm like losing all my fantasy leagues and I'm sad, then I can't watch football anymore. <laughs> but it's um it really it really but I, I I feel you. It's you don't necessarily need to you don't need to be the guy that crushes the film for every minute of every game but i do like to have an idea of what's gone on i actually think um i don't listen to a lot of his content but ian hartitz last season did a monday a sunday night recap of every game it was like a 30 minute podcast and i felt like it was just a really good way to get like the spark notes of every game and 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 he would just kind of inform you on things that you could only have known by watching things like a player seeming off or a tendency change or a play style change that you're not going to see in the numbers of the stats. Um, because, you know, like for me, fantasy football or football in general analysis, like the baseline is stats. You got to, you got to look at stats and an, analytics to get an idea of predictive outcomes. And then you incorporate film. So it's, it's how well are players taking these predictive outcomes and actually executing on the field? How often are you utilizing your burst score as a tight end, et cetera? And then the third level is narrative and logic. And it's, it's logically like, is my process sound? Yes. Is, is this likely to happen? Yes. How confident do I feel based on the narrative that this will happen? And then am I going to bet on it? So it's like when you're trying to find someone to follow or, an, or like an influencer or an, an analyst, it's, it's not necessarily about how often they're correct. It's how good is the process and is it correct a, a high percentage of the time? Because no one's correct all the time. But are they often correct and how good is the process? process so like i think it's, again it starts at the an, an, an analytics and then you got to watch some games and then it's it's hey like does the narrative and the logic here make sense or are people just being emotional right and definitely try to cut out the emotion and sometimes sometimes i will write something and i'll have i'll have to stop when i kind of go back over that i'm like no no that's that is not not my process i like like to think that I have a process. And then if I put something in where I'm like, nope, that, that is definitely from being emotionally invested in, in the players. Hey, look, we got Ryan. We got the mad chatter that we're going to get in and it's going to feel right with the show. <laughs> but yeah, like there's definitely, I actually just had that with a wide receiver cornerback matchup where I, uh, I, I cut out went, and got rid of an entire section. It's like, no, we got to redo this. <laughs> we have to redo yeah, this I hope that. I didn't influence that too hard. I'm sorry. No, no, it was it was honestly just a self self reflection. And look, the podcast is right here. We've got the mad chatter, Ryan MK on the show. This is so weird. Your job's hard. Like I'm trying to do your job. I can't do your job. It's not right. So now it's complete. We got. We have Ryan the style in. back. With a different What's up, buddies? How how goes it? Yeah, different background. I still am echoing. I'm still figuring this out at the new place. I'm exhausted, fellas. Let me tell you, I have many reasons why I would like to win the lottery, but to never have to move myself again is pretty near top of the fucking list. Let me tell you. Well, here's the thing. Like over, I, over. I, I've got the plan. I created a Twitter list today. It's uh, let's go win some cash. <laughs> and our buddy EDG, he's actually started his podcast. We've been recording for a while, but and and he has already sold the show beautifully to, to the audience there. He's got a show. We're, we're going to make some money on, on some bets, some cryptocurrency, all this stuff. There so, you know, 
we're going to help you. And well, no, Chris, Chris the EDG is going to help um, help us learn some things because I've heard cryptocurrency. I don't know a dang thing about it, and I, I want to get better. I'm be honest. I want to. I want to learn. I'll tell you two things. I'm never going to win the lottery because I don't buy lottery tickets. I buy best ball tournament tickets. So I'm going to win a best ball tournament. <laughs> and, and and listen, Ryan, if a plane ticket is cheaper than a moving company, just fly me out. I'll move a sofa for you. I got you, buddy. All right. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. So what, what, what you've been talking, you fellas been talking about besides cryptocurrency and whatnot, what, what we getting into? So we, we've been going through the slate of games here. We, you know, we've definitely oh, talked yeah. about the Thursday night football game because that's obviously mm-hmm. the first one. But I think there's even kind of getting to be some fatigued on this because that's been the game that's all up in our face. It's the season opener, right. Buccaneers, Cowboys. We have, I think we have been that one like a, like a dead horse. You know so, what I would, I would love to bring up uh, is a couple of DraftKings prices. I don't know how much yeah. DFS you guys do. Or, or what oh, yeah. about you, Ryan? You're a big DFS guy. I wouldn't say big, but the past couple of years, I have been trying to get into it more, get more of an understanding of it. And really, I just need to calm down on my dynasty leagues, because once we get in season, I got enough stuff going on. that when it comes to fantasy, I'm usually focused on my dynasty squad. So I need to calm down on those so I can get more expensive. But the last couple of years, I really have been getting into DFS more. So give it to me. Give me what you got. Yeah, no, for sure. And listen, where where, where I consider myself both a professional fantasy football analyst like i'm a consultant with pat murphy and the fantasy football king and all that and i'm trying to become a professional fans uh football handicapper dfs for me is one of those things where i'm very much an amateur i'm, I'm a hobbyist i don't pretend to be good at it or better at it mm. and there's elements of it that i almost completely ignore like i don't even know where to look for ownership stats i could not tell you the ownership of a player and i know that that's like a pillar of dfs i just ignore right. it so yeah like so take this with a grain of salt and i'm honestly almost asking you guys when i bring these up because i know that prices change and they adjust but a couple of week one prices to me relative to the field just seem wrong like just just fundamentally wrong like the most obvious one to me was that t higgins is the cheapest Bengals receiver both jamar chase and tyler boyd cost more and maybe it's like a matchup thing and i expect them to lose that game but like i would think t higgins would score the most points of those three guys but he's the cheapest he's like 4600 it's weird mm. and then um i don't know what what do you guys think with that one so that's weird to me well and i think so and i am I think we're all in agreement here that we are we play it because it's fun it's more of a hobby but the way i understand it is that like these week one prices they have been set for a long time they've been set maybe at least a month maybe further back so when you go why is t higgins cheaper than than chase and boyd um yeah probably the matchups played a small part but it's off-season narrative like like what you talked about about how like week one is like an ideal time to 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 get some to get some spreads to, to bet on some games because we've been doing all this research on like you take advantage of DraftKings because the the price they have set for some of these players because I I remember that tweet that you put out there you talked about Antonio Gibson who's fifty nine hundred it's like what what do we miss well he was my next one and, and he's like the fourteenth price running back he's yeah. cheaper than guys like I don't remember who but guys where I'm like what do we even out matchup outside of matchup he, where he's cheaper than five guys who are just far inferior players i mean yeah. matchup aside and i know the Chargers are a tough matchup but i'm of the mindset that when you're in a tough matchup that's when the most talented players are relied on yeah. you know when you're playing a team like the chargers 
the guys that suck aren't going to do much. You're going to be giving it to Antonio Gibson as much as possible because he can actually evade those defenders. But like, yeah, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd is the most expensive Bengals receiver this week. And the only logic I can see in that for DraftKings is maybe they're saying, hey, Joe Burrow is going to start slow coming off these dual injuries and keep it close to the line of scrimmage. But even then, I just, I don't understand it's that price. Yeah, it's a stretch. And like Corey Davis is another one where he's 4,900 and I'm literally putting him in every lineup. And I know, again, that's like DFS, no, no, number one. But there's a really strong case for Corey Davis to be the wide receiver one in week one. And because he's the he's the only guy right now for the Jets. And they made their whole offseason about passing the ball and they're playing Carolina. I mean, him and Christian McCaffrey are essentially a lock to just dominate their position group. And again, I'm putting the two of them in on a lot of lineups because I just, I feel like it's, it's, uh, is, but now I feel like, is it chalk? You know, is it, am I, is everyone seeing this? Is it, am I just wrong? Is there a reason they're so cheap? You know, this is the problem with not being good at DFS. <laughs> oh, I'm still learning some lessons. I'm honestly waiting. I haven't, I, I feel like I've heard bits and pieces. Like I really liked player profilers lineup optimizer last year holy crap that hit like several times last year like there were like three or four weeks where they had a very successful lineup and i'm like wow that was josh larkey's first year doing the 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 lineup optimizer i can't wait to see like what you know you go back and you review the process where can we get better etc etc i'm really excited to try it again this year but i haven't seen it and i don't know like his has Matt Kelly, have they, have they mentioned when? Uh, yeah, uh, he mentioned um, they're retooling the whole thing. They're right. going to drop it soon. It's going to be a completely okay. different interface. Um, and, and yeah, I, I actually, my the only week where I walked out of the week last year with more money than I deposited on DraftKings, like far more money was a one-for-one entry from the line of yeah. genius. The only t- tough thing about that was like, I rarely ever played all 20 and they gave you 20 lineups and like not all 20 lineups win. It's like two or three lineups that win, which is still impressive. But yeah, like you, you, you kind of, what, what I'm going to do this year from it, if it's similar is it seems like, it seems like every week Larky identified all the right guys. He just never had them all in the same lineup. So mm. I'm just going to pick and choose through all 20 and try to re like reshuffle a, a new lineup, a 21st lineup that he didn't make, you know, I like, I like that. Because <laughs> the dude sharp. The dude is I clearly what what he was doing with, with that. I mean, there there were there were weeks like because I, I was following along as best I can. I was actually um, I, I would put in I I put in all twenty lineups and just just kind of you know because Sundays can be a little a little bit busy. It's like go to, go to church, get done with church. There's not a whole lot of time, especially when you're trying to you're trying to go through lineups of your fantasy teams and you're like injuries, 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 injuries. <laughs> it was really hard to sit down and have time to go through each of the lineups and like tinker with it a little bit. I'm hoping I could do a little bit more of that. Cause yeah, I was like, I really was using it as a crutch and I would like to do a little bit more like individual stuff. It's really just gotta, gotta make time. Maybe I just stopped sleeping on Saturday nights and try. You know, just Saturday nights through Sunday morning, get all my stuff together. <laughs> uh, it's true. I mean, listen, that's that's the beauty of the underworld, though. It you almost need like a directory for the underworld because everyone's got a specialty, and you got to know who to listen to about what. So, like Larky, like that's the guy you listen to when you need heavy and analytical stuff for like DFS. But I'm not gonna 
like take Larky's opinion on like the general status of a team's defense. You know, I, I would love his opinion on like individual, like, you know, advanced stats. Whereas you have a guy like Anand who is going to give you, you are, you listen to him for team narratives. Yes. You know, you, you, you go to Matt for dynasty takes. Like I don't listen to Matt's redraft takes. Love his dynasty takes, you know, <laughs> and like there's different guys. Sorry, for everything. Boss, I mean, no, it's, I mean, it's true. Like, I mean, he has, has some good ones, but where he's really like above the market is in Dynasty. You know, I, I would prefer to go to Evan Silva for redraft, but like that's just be that's outside the underworld. The only one, every, everything else is underworld. Like, you know, and then you have like, um, you know, I mean, like, Sal, like Aaron, you try to do like the salary stuff, and then you know, like all the writers who kind of take on their own niche. And it's, um, you know, that's what's nice about the underworld is that it's specialized. Like, Cody does a lot with Debbie, you know, and it's like you just got to know, like, hey, who am I listening to for what? And that's kind of how you got to do it with every analyst is like figure out like who's smart in what area. And that's what I come to you for. Absolutely. Because as you mentioned, like uh, having roles, like Ryan's got the infirmary. And, you know, uh, another thing that Cody did last year that was super helpful for, for the article series I was doing, not as frequently as I wanted to last year, but it's going to be like weekly this year, the, the, the cornerback rankings. That was, that was huge. Like, you know, when you start to, because there's a whole new set of metrics for the defensive backs and it took me back to like when i first discovered player profiler as kind of learning some of the metrics once i kind of learned a little bit about the cornerback metrics it helped with some lineup decisions because sometimes some of the metrics they're great to have but i kind of like usually there's three three maybe four metrics that i really like kind of zoned in on for for cornerbacks and I was like oh yeah like that's <laughs> that's what I really want to see like uh you know the guy I always make fun of is Breon Borders a cornerback for the Titans because his target rate his his target rate was 28% so basically when he was on the field he was getting targeted a, a crap ton it was like 2% higher than the next highest guy so that's why like when I started doing these rankings I was look through okay who's matched up against Breon Borders this receiver awesome like literally michael Pittman's best game last year <laughs> it was pre on borders <laughs> so and then the infirmary like as much as i'd like to know what's going on with all 32 teams like to have someone like brian here go through all the injuries like, thank goodness because that's hard to hard to find all that information <laughs> so super appreciative of that article series during the season because yeah it's just it's networking finding out guys that that do their their roles and like that's the best way to do all this because it's it's too much for one person i gave up yeah on doing that no yeah and, and listen like you guys both get it obviously that's why i like being on this show and maybe just to explain for anyone listening who might not like it's 10 years ago it was enough to come into a space like this and just provide information but there's too much information we are overloaded with information it's no longer about Agreed. providing information it's about processing information and identifying useful information you know and that's what you guys both do really well in the content you make for roto underworld and why i always try to read it is like i'll read your work and and i feel like okay like they're presenting me maybe not every time but a large percentage of the time they're presenting me information that i feel is more useful than just other information like you go on player profiler there's a hundred stats for every player not all hundred stats matter it's which seven stats are creating a narrative and you know and like that's 
that's again, it's, it's processing information. So like where I try to carve out my niche is I, I try to process more subjective information, like public opinion. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to overcome public opinion in a sense, because unlike Aaron, you know, like I don't have the desire to sit there and crunch numbers that intensely, you know, you're crunching hours of numbers a week. I, I'll listen to you having crunched them for me. And then I'll try to tell you why one of your buzzards is wrong, but I don't <laughs> want to crunch the numbers. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. The numbers drive me crazy. <laughs> Which also one of the things that we do need to get to too, because we, because EDG and I talked about this before we started recording. <laughs> he actually had a tweet that, that went viral too. It is so I, uh, yeah, I, I went viral for, for a night. It was mesmerizing. <laughs> it was such a yeah. low calorie tweet. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it. I, it got like 50,000. No, I've been on shit for Twitter. I've, I've uh, not been on hardly at all, but I, I got to hear what, what happened. Put it this way. I, I have 300 followers. It's like 340 now. I got like 30 followers from this, but I put this tweet. I had like 50,000 views, 40 comments, 300 likes, like haters. Like it had haters. When you have haters, you know, you're like, you're doing it right. Uh, and it wasn't right. even a good tweet. It was such a low calorie tweet. It was one of those, like, I just had an idea. Let me tweet it. But here, I'll just, I'll just read it. It's, um, so I, I, I tweeted this word for word. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling up. DJ Moore is the Nick Chubb of wide receivers. Great player that should be a league winner, but just doesn't get the role and the full opportunity to be a true league winner at ADP. I'll pass on both. I just, I made a little bit of an analogy and a lot of people were very unhappy with that. Some of the hateful <laughs> comments are amazing. Just one guy, one guy, this is the worst take I've ever seen. <laughs> like, okay, buddy. I'm pretty sure you read someone to told you one. You, like, I'm pretty sure you follow a guy who told you to take KJ Hamler in the first round of rookie drafts, but this is the worst take you've ever seen. Right. Yeah, yeah. And just all of them are like that. I want just, no, he's not LOL. Okay. Real insightful, bud. Right, Thanks. right. I, I love those, like, you know, those people that do that. It's like, come on, you know, you give me a take because, you know, when you when you sit down and you think about it, and it it pains me to my core on that one because I love DJ Moore. I think he's such a talented receiver, but what the tweet says is correct. Like, if Moore is utilized correctly, yeah, he could be great but he's not and that's and that's exactly what you were pointing out in the tweet it, it wasn't that you said dj moore is a horrible player because i think we can all agree moore is a great i said he's a great player he's like yeah. if there's any if there's any player that in my opinion reminds me of like julio jones on the field it's dj moore like you're not dk metcalf it's dj moore the dude is dominant he's a freak nick chubb like i literally was saying before i think nick chubb is gonna run all over kansas city week one but like where you have to draft them at cost yeah. and the situation they're in, the amount of things you need to break their way is just not worth it. And yes, could it happen a hundred percent? Can Nick Chubb fall in the end zone 18 times this year or Kareem Hunt, Terran ACL and everything's different? Yes. But like, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot for DJ Moore to suddenly get the, the volume necessary to see the upside people think he has in the fourth round. Like if they were a little cheaper, sure. If I was getting Nick Chubb where Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes, sign me up. If I was getting DJ Moore where T Higgins goes or like in the fifth round, then yeah, sign me up. But like, I just don't like the cost. That's all I was saying. I was saying like, listen, like we draft these guys based on their talent profile over their situation. And it's a little heavily weighted on talent. We need to look at both. And 
with these two players, for some reason, people really let their personal infatuation take over. And I want to be wrong on this one. I love both players, but I just don't have a lot of them. I'm, <clears throat> I'm actually with you as far as 2021. And, and I guess for me, I take situation very much into account, unless it's dynasty. In dynasty, I mean, things can change so quickly. And when you're looking year to year, then yeah, you don't want to get that risky. But in a dynasty league, I'm going to rely more on talent and hope that things work out. Uh, so th- I still roster DJ Moore and Nick Chubb in dynasty, but I'm with you. Like I have some DJ Moore this year, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure in anything I've in any league that I've drafted this year that I drafted Nick Chubb. And so it, which sucks because I really like Nick Chubb, but uh, like you said, it's just, uh, that there's better options at that price because of the situation. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. But it's, it's funny what will trigger people on that one. But, but you know what? Like we need these takes because you go on Twitter and everyone will love a player. And, and we need the opposing view on this one. Sorry, Nick Chubb goes – yeah, I, I'm with you, Ryan. Like, I have zero Nick Chubb because he goes, what, back in first round? <laughs> or, like, right at the start of the second round? Like, what, what's what's the upside? Like, the, the upside, yes, he has finished as a top 10 running back, but it's just like Derek Henry. Like, he has to score a ton of touchdowns in order to barely finish as RB1. Like, I don't like relying on touchdowns that are so – random um what, what was a receiver there was man i am blanking on his name but there there was cooper cup cooper cup went from like leading he was one of the leaders in receiving touchdowns one year he had like nine or ten and then the next year got two you know <laughs> and you go from when you when the touchdowns drop like that you go from being a wide receiver one in which cup was probably drafted i don't know round two round three speculate i don't have that information right in front of me to all of a sudden now we're getting cooper cup at a nice price i have plenty of cooper cup because he goes in like round five yeah also like okay i i I, it's it's painful for me to say this because of the crowd and i know it's going to come back to haunt me but if there's any player on the browns to really take like a eye-popping step up from any role we previously expected from them it's baker mayfield not nick chubb so like if anything i'm betting on mayfield in the passing game here not like a revival of the running game that never went anywhere wait wait, what's that now you're betting on what i know i know i'm (laughs) betting on not tom brady (laughs) Uh, sorry oh and and you, you missed it you missed it too that was one of the things we talked about when it was just uh, just the EDG and me is that we were talking about how like Cleveland, Cleveland is shaping up to be just a dangerous, dangerous team. Like probably not a bet we take on week one because week one, did you know the highest scoring game, the highest scoring game on the week one slate is Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, which on its surface seems quite interesting. Chiefs, high scoring offense, Browns, you don't, we don't really think so much of the offense, but there's just so much like the offensive line continuity, the fact that the defense, they improved at all the levels there. And, and it is just shaping up to be Cleveland's year. Like, it's so difficult, A, to repeat a Super Bowl champions. 
We saw the Chiefs fall short right. of that. And yes, I know the narrative's great with the Buccaneers. They brought all 22 starters back. And yes, like it, they, they should be the favorite. But Cleveland's such a fun future bet to take for Super Bowl champions because what is their weakness? <laughs> they, they've got talent and depth at seemingly every position. They address their needs very well. Like the EDG and me, and I think, I think you too, Ryan, would be in the same boat that there were weaknesses Cleveland had, and they addressed them quite well. Yeah, I think a good long shot bet could be them on the money line, but super long shot bet. Not what I'm taking, but if someone took it, not going to hate you for it. I, I actually really like the Browns to pull off the upset in week one. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on that too. And honestly, the, the only thing that concerns me about the Browns is, again, that a lot of people seem to be on the Browns now, and that's terrifying. I, I'm, I'm not even a Browns fan. I'm sure Browns fans are like, I wish everybody would just shut the fuck because I know how it feels. But it, it's it, yeah, I'm just kind of like I'm a little freaked out because a lot of people are liking them. But you, you really do look at the team as a whole, and it's like looks pretty goddamn tight to me, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. So, See, I, I would I would say though this isn't the year to be skeptical on following the group think for that narrative. And typically I like avoiding the group think, but people have kind of been on the Browns for three years now and two years ago when they signed Odell and they were like, I think it was sophomore year Baker. Like people were touting them for the Super Bowl left and right. They, you were, they were getting touted on mainstream ESPN shows. That's yeah, how you know right. that it went too far. So that was the year to be skeptical. And then last year people were still on them, but it fizzled a little bit. And they're still on them now, and I think it's just appropriate. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily an overcorrection. I, I think it's just landed to where it should be in that we all now have this, like, hey, we all understand they can do it, but none of us are penciling them in yet because we got to see it. But no one's surprised if the Browns win the Super Bowl. Also, no one's surprised if the Browns miss the playoffs. It's just kind of in the range of outcomes. Right. I'd have to agree that the AFC is tough right now. And I do think one of the differences with the, you know, we normally don't talk a lot about coaches, but I, I watching Minnesota for years, I saw some Steven, Kevin Stefanski and I, I was bummed when they let that dude go. And he's really, I, I think another year with that dude is going to do wonders. Like I, I'm excited. This is the, one of the teams I'm really excited to watch this year. So yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even going to add to it to not embellish, but you're 100% correct. Kevin Stefanski is a huge driving factor to the success, and the more time they get with him, the better they'll be. Mm. Like what they've done. And, sorry. Um, actually, Ryan, one of the things we did, we actually had another person on briefly, and we got – we always – yeah, yeah, it was – man, I – I have I'm going to be right back. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave it to you guys for five minutes. I'll be right back. That, that sounds good. Now, my apologies to the listeners because it's, it's, I'm Texan. I'm from the South. And it's like we say amen instead of amen. So it's a kosh, I, I think. Oh, God. Mm. I hope I got that right. So oh, he I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I hope I said his name right because I'm having to think of the, the Texan in me wants to pronounce it. Away, but I'm like, right. I don't think that's right. Right. <laughs> and I always have to pronounce. I always put like the hard A, and I don't think I ever say these names right. And that's why we were. That was one of the reasons we missed you at the start of the show. But he gave us a bold take. He likes, um, he likes Marquise Brown being very startable in Week One, 
because Ravens and Raiders, especially the Monday night football game and the Raiders secondary, when we already gave John Gruden and Mike Mayock and, and Raiders a lot of heat here, but they always, <laughs> they invest heavy draft Excuse capital me. in the secondary and they have, it's remarkable. Right. They have always missed on the secondary, but his hot take before he, before he left, I think we had him on for about 10, 15 minutes was he liked Marquise Brown being a starter. That's all. We definitely need to get him uh, back on the show with you and me and where in which he didn't have his camera on because he said something about East coast super late. I'm like, well, just come to the central time zone or mountain time zone. And it's not a problem or as big of a problem, but what is your hot take? You have a hot take here for week one, any of these games where you're looking at, I've got some <sighs> hot takes. I've already talked about them. What you got for us? I'm kind of looking again. I, 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 I'm kind of with EDG on the Browns taking out the Chiefs week one. Um, hmm. I don't know. Looking at that, I've been so damn busy. <laughs> like I was like, I'm just, I'm just gonna fling it to. Let me tell you something, people. I have been moving for over a week. <laughs> True story. I did. <laughs> Like, I don't know how to explain how all of this has happened, but let's just say in the, it, 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 at one point, the wife had to have surgery and I had to go back to work. So like, this, this is the close, I'm very close to being unpacked. So, but <laughs> it has been crazy. So I have not, I've been listening to a lot of podcasting, but like, or podcasts and, and NFL stuff. And, but so much of it at the end of last week was, you know, the whole Mac Jones, you know, Mac Jones starting quarterback for the Patriots. I don't know how much you guys got into that. Um, or if you talked about it at all. We we really just briefly talked about Dolphins, Dolphins and Patriots. I can talk. Mm-hmm. A major thing we got on this because we've been focusing so much on kind of spreads, games that we may place money on. And kind of the thing we came away with with Patriots and Dolphins is we're kind of avoiding that game. If we're looking right now, the game's in New England. The Patriots are a three-point favorite. Uh, for listeners of the show that don't do spreads, uh, spreads and totals and, and sports bet, what, what the three points – so home teams get home team advantage. Kind of the unwritten rule when doing spreads is the home team is given three points. So the Patriots are a three-point favorite at home. Literally, what, what Vegas is telling us is these two teams, it is a coin flip. And we talked about there's a lot of uncertainty. On one hand, you have Mac Jones, like rookie quarterback starting day one and probably wasn't the original plan when you looked at all the additions they, they made. It seemed like they wanted to go to this power offense. What is that offense going to look like? We have no clue. And then for the Dolphins, too, we still don't really know what they are because it's Tua Tungabaloa's first full season of being the starting quarterback. And last year, too, he was still coming back from that hip injury. So we briefly discussed on it. But really, we just said, we're not touching this game because we don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of uncertainty. Right. We'd rather choose some other games where we know what's going on. You could take maybe the the Bills and Steelers was – who the EDG that that was a game he mentioned because we know those teams they're pretty right. pretty steady teams so but yeah hit us with something with the Dolphins and Patriots because we really don't want, we didn't have anything well I think I just I, as far as that game's concerned I think New England's gonna have a top five defense this year got guys back 
address needs. I think Bill, he's good with one losing season. I'm not saying the Patriots are going to go to the playoffs or anything like that. I'm just saying we're going to see a much different Patriots team this year. And we weren't even that bad last year, if, if you really look at it. I mean, they lost some close games. Um, it, it, you know, so they damn near uh, beat Buffalo, you know. Yeah. Was it Cam fumbled like on the goal line in that game or something? If I remember right, I think it was against Buffalo. But so <clears throat> I just that I I think I guess one of my hot takes is I don't I'm not sure. The more the offseason has gone on, uh, I still think the Bills are going to be really good. But I think that division is going to be a lot tougher for them uh, because I think the Patriots are going to be a lot scarier this year. And I think the Dolphins are going to be really good. And as far as fantasy, I don't know that I want to touch this game either. I'm kind of excited to see what Mac Jones does, but I imagine week one, we're going to see a lot of the run game. So I love me some Damian Harris, but I trust in really anything else on the Patriots. And I'm not really trusting the dolphins because they're going to go against what I believe will be a hell of a defense. Like I said, in new England. Yeah. I'm not really touching that game either. I am touching the birds. And I know that sounds weird. I'm touching the birds, (laughs) but I'm touching the birds. I'm touching the birds and the Titans. And let me explain. You have Eagles Falcons week one Cardinals Titans. Now, I expect the Eagles and Falcons to score some points. Why? Because I don't expect a, sh- expect a shit ton out of their defenses. The Cardinals and the Titans, I think, will be an interesting game. We know the Titans, not as good as a, of a defense. They brought in Julio Jones. They're going to want to air it out. I think Hill's in for a hell of a fucking season, if I might add. And so I think this game could be a lot of fun. Might get a little bit of a, a shootout between Tanny and Kid Tyler and see how this goes because where I think we're all in, uh, you know interested and curious to see how this Cardinals offense goes because we got to be honest it's kind of shaky in the preseason I understand that's the preseason but it, you know we've been we've been talking about this offense and all these boys on this team because they've got some talent and people have talked about Cliff Kingsbury but. We've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, but we haven't seen enough. Now, last year, Kyler hurt the shoulder, and I believe, and, you know, the, it was he was a different quarterback after the injury, right? He, he just wasn't the same. Right. So, you know, I, I, I want to see a lot out of the Cardinals this year. So those, those are a couple of games I'm looking at. Cause I think those are a couple of games where we could get some fantasy points, you know? Oh, um, yeah. So I'm looking at you, Jalen hurts. I'm looking at, you know, Calvin Ridley, you know, uh, like I said, Julio, AJ Brent in this Cardinals Titans matchup. I want to see some Rondale Moore. So I, I, those are a couple of games I'm kind of looking at uh, the birds and the Titans. And uh, yeah. So I'm just ready to see this season kick off so I can, uh, <laughs> I, I, I play so much dynasty. I just get so hyped for like the beginning of the year, because then as it gets into the year, I know what teams are, you know, pushing for it, which is usually, I don't mean to brag, but it's usually quite a few, a high percentage, I would say, but you know, then I always got some teams that I'm like, ah. Eh. 
could be could be re, you know doing some retooling this year. So and then you've got those teams kind of in the middle. So I always have so many dynasty teams. I'm always loving the beginning of the year because I can just watch it all. But eventually, as the season you know goes on become more attuned to particular teams. So I really like the beginning of the season where this variety of teams and I'm like, oh, which ones are going to pop off and which ones are. So, yeah. Well, and, that's where and I'm at. And I and do I'm touching stick, the birds. Touching the birds. I like that. <laughs> and you started with the Arizona Cardinals game. And, and uh, one of the things that EDG and I, we discussed is in terms of betting, we're staying away from that. But for fantasy football, one of the things I want to mention to the audience is, oh, my God, the secondaries of the Cardinals and the Titans are collectively horrible. So let's start with the Cardinals. That's what I'm saying. Like Byron Murphy, who is their primary slot court. So when they go in, when they go into a nickel defense and he goes on the inside, they're outside receivers. On one side, you have Robert Alford, who legit hasn't played in the NFL in two seasons. Like He's a veteran guy. And I want to say he opted out last year because of COVID. The year before, um, I think if I remember correctly, he had a season-ending injury. So one of your starting cornerbacks is a veteran guy that hasn't played in two years. And on the other side, looking at this depth chart, you either have – they have three other cornerbacks. They have two day three rookies and a second year cornerback that like barely played. And it was for a different team. I, <laughs> I, I go, give me Tannehill, Julio Jones, AJ Brown. Yes, please. And then the Tennessee Titans may, maybe slightly better. <laughs> so they've got second year quarterback, Christian, uh, Christian Fulton, who's going to lock down one of the spots. They brought in Janoris Jenkins, who, if I remember from last year with the Saints, he's kind of up and down. Like, there were some games, like, he, he played good for, like, a game or two, and then he was bad for two, just all over the place. Kind of one of those guys that's now a journeyman, kind of bouncing around teams. Yeah. Uh, my favorite cornerback ever in three on borders because, like, when he was on the field, he was getting targeted ten-plus times. And they, they had – they had two rookie cornerbacks, one they drafted in the first round and one in the third round. One of the first round was horrible during the preseason. Now, granted, he – I want to say it was – he opted out of last year's college football season and he had back surgery or something like that. It's not ideal. So, like – but the struggles could be he's a guy that kind of like Jamar Chase – play football last year so yeah it's going to be a bit of a bit of a jump there the, their third round rookie guy played well in the preseason but how much is he going to play so i my bold take did you guys do bold takes for roto underworld for for the article i didn't even no. see it oh you didn't see it so i missed it i last year i had a couple that, that like i i go I, I thought I did pretty well. I was super high on Brandon Ayuk and then went, yeah, he will on a points per game basis outscore Debo Samuel. Um, so I went with another rookie receiver this year. I went Rondell Moore will be the highest scoring rookie uh, receiver because he can kind of make a case. I know some of this is narrative with Jamar Chase, but there is some struggles with Jamar Chase and he will overcome that. I'm not worried about it in the long term, but Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, how good is that 
how good is the passing offense going to be? I mean, yes, he can absolutely be like the guy, but that I, I like Hertz because he runs. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like Hertz because of his passing ability. And Bateman's hurt. Elijah Moore, thank goodness, is coming back. But even then, Corey Davis is already the guy there. But Rondell Moore is is exciting, and I like his his early season matchups, and I like his late round matchups. And of course, it's a bold take, so chances of it happening are slim. But I even build a case that Rondell Moore is going to be just electrifying. And oh man, who was it? Uh, Adam Levitan? 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 Yeah, like it was. It's preseason, but when Rondell Moore was out there, they were featuring him heavily. It was it was something like he ran 47 routes, 44 were in the slot, and in his 47 routes, it was targeted nine times, and he had three carries. Like that's heavy usage. Will that carry over to the season? Well, Hopkins didn't play in a preseason, but still, the Cardinals clearly wanted to get him involved. Second round rookie too. Chris Kirk didn't do, hasn't done diddly squat for basically his entire career. And what's AJ Green? I, I really don't know. So I, I, the point I'm getting at is like, I if you're in if you're in those leagues that has a lot of flex spots and maybe you got hit with some injuries, maybe you drafted super early. Michael Thomas is on your team, and now you clearly have a hole there. You could do a lot worse than Rondell Moore. In, in fact, rookie receivers, there is – I went back, and it just happened to be something I stumbled upon, but I thought it was interesting. Like 2016 to 2019, there was a top 10 rookie season in each of those years, except 2018, which was odd because that's DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, like two receivers we consider some of the best. Um, but 2017 actually made up for it because they had two top 10 rookie receivers in week one. So – People, people go, ah, I'm all-star rookie receiver. There's, there's always a rookie that steps up. There wasn't one last year. Last year, though, I mean, COVID, no preseason. LaVishka Chenault did have a top 30 uh, fantasy uh, week one performance. So, you know, Rondell Moore is, is worth a shot, or Elijah Moore. Because the, the other thing, too, was you looked at the receivers, the, the rookie receivers, it was – Will Fuller, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, and Marquise Brown. Those were the four guys between 2016 and 2019 with a top 10 fantasy week in week one. And they all were 90th percentile in either the 40-yard dash uh, or speed score, the height-adjusted speed score, or agility score. Like they, they were guys that were just elite speed athletes and Rondell Moore <laughs> 90th percentile or higher in the 40 yard dash and agility score didn't get it with height adjusted speed score because he's five seven so it's literally impossible for him to but really like Rondell Moore if you need like a desperate dart throw in week one do worse I'm gonna chime in but Aaron did you want to say any more no, I'm bad. That's all I got. I'm super high on Rondell Moore. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Just make sure you you have more to say about more and more. I got you. But I do have a little bit more about more and a bit more about more as well. So, I mean, I definitely – I don't see how anyone could project rookies for this season, like not Dynasty, but just 2021 output and not have it be like Chase and the two Moors at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like Rondell Moore. 
because there's no tight end competition. And the one school of thought is, hey, like, will Cliff Kingsbury utilize this guy? Because he hasn't really utilized his guys to the best of their skill set, but also, like, they clearly needed this guy. And even though there's like a, it's crowded, so to say, like he, he could just be a step above all the other options day one. So, and with Kyler Murray, like there's a lot to it. I, I just really prefer Elijah more because maybe not week one, but season long. So probably my boldest take of the season is that Corey Davis will exit September as a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy football, but will finish the season outside the top 30. I think if you have Corey Davis, you want to trade him by week six. I, I he they're going to come in and Zach Wilson is going to rely heavily on the veteran presence to start the season, but Corey Davis is not a true established alpha. He's definitely one of those guys that has a de facto alpha role and a good price tag. So I love him in drafts, but I could just see it like a like a um what is it like a change uh, when like I can't think changing of the word, of but the guard. changing of the guard. Yes, as the season goes on, Zach Wilson will tether more to Elijah Moore, who's probably the better player. Similar to like Ayuk overcoming Debo, just Debo got like hurt early on. He was never good last year. I think Corey Davis, I, again, I love him for week one, early season. He's going to get a lot of volume. I could see it falling off as the team around him develops and other players do well. And also like rookies as a whole this year, I'm not trying to hype up as much as last year because it was like a veteran bloodbath last year. A lot of vet, a lot of these rookies finished high, mostly because veterans finished low. Um, and now they had training camp and they went through a lot of their soft tissue stuff in August when they were able to deal with it properly. And I think veterans will be more apparent this year. So, I mean, it's obviously Chase and the Moors after Bateman getting hurt and like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, there's a lot of analytical arguments against it that I don't think any narrative is strong enough to push the needle on them. So, yeah, I mean, the Moors, Chase and Corey Davis for six weeks. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I love it. That's a bold take. Like that, you should have had that in the in the Roto Underworld article there. So I love it. Along with like a prediction and a bold take. Yeah. No, I mean that's just how I see it playing out. It's just like because that happens every year. There's always that guy that starts so hot and then fades, or the guy that does nothing for nine weeks and comes out of nowhere. You know. So it's. I, I think Davis nice. could be one of those guys. Like if you have him on a redraft, especially a dynasty team, if you have, like I, I, I traded him away in one dynasty team before the league started for Michael Thomas. You know, this was months ago, was a good trade at the time. And I have him in one league and I'm honestly just going to wait till like week five. He's going to have peak value. I'm going to pray he doesn't get hurt. And come week five, some contender, cause that's a, like a already tanking team. Some contender will pay like a first rounder for him. Like guaranteed. He's going to have just monstrous weeks to start the year. Love it. Absolutely. Well, I don't have any more to oh. say on the Moors. I did. I'm assuming I missed like 15 minutes of more talk. So, yeah, <laughs> talk about the birds. I'm playing. I like them both. Birds. Actually, in, in one of my dynasty leagues on Sleeper, this dude offered me Rondale Moore and a third for Elijah Moore. And I'm like, I like both guys. How do you do? I guess I got to take the trade because I'm also getting a third. And I, I use thirds really well, usually. So might just have to do it. But it, I have a tough time with the Moors because I like them both about evenly. And uh, I do think Terrace Marshall is a ski name um, just because it seems pretty clear they want to use him. And he's the fucking man. Dude's a hell of a receiver. So I, there is no 
really tight end usage in Carolina. So I could see there being room. I mean, obviously, Christian McCaffrey back, that's going to, you know, eat up some targets. But who knows? Maybe there's some room for Terrace Marshall in that conversation, you know. The other guy got competition too. So, <clears throat> well, he's, he's um, my second most owned player in best ball tournaments is Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall. Uh, yeah. But honestly, I, I don't really, I don't really like him for redraft leagues because I, I see him scoring very similarly to Curtis Samuel last year, where he's very boomer bust. I, I think in the 12th, 13th okay. round of best ball, he's really good bet on your bench, but in redraft, unless there's an injury ahead of him, I think I'll have a very strong rookie season in an NFL standpoint, but from a fantasy standpoint, it's going to be tough to start him weekly, but he'll, he'll have a nice end of year stat line. Um, But I I think he's a player. And I think this time next year, we could view him the way we like view DK Metcalf going into the second year. Like, wow, we were too low on this guy, you know, obviously different players, but similar, similar view. I just like, I really don't think Sam Donald's any good. Um, But it's um, <laughs> I, I I do I do. But listen, that that team also sucked last year and produced like three top thirty receivers. So Sam Darnold can be atrocious, and all those guys are still going to be good at football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the other thing too. When they when they point out, oh yeah, the Panthers had three uh, top thirty receivers. I hate it when people use that argument for Terrace Marshall because they leave out this massive bit of context there, which is. Christian McCaffrey basically missing the entire season because yeah, but yes and no. I I would say yes because Mike Davis did not command red zone looks the way Christian McCaffrey does. Christian McCaffrey just dominates the end zone. I think that's why they never practiced in the red zone because Matt Rule figured anytime he's within eight yards, just give it to Christian McCaffrey in space. You don't need a playbook for that. Um, but I would say no because Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey had the same. Uh, targets per game last year and receptions per game last year the passing game role was almost identical so i i don't see McCaffrey coming in as being any kind of damage to like the, the target volume but definitely the red zone work which makes a difference certainly and, and that's an excellent point too to pick up and um, to point out as well on that one i guess yeah and I'm with you. Like with Terrace Marshall, it's more of I loved him in my best ball leagues because, yeah, those uh, that's what we want. We want the boom bust. We want Terrace Marshall to go have. He's probably he's gonna have one of these games where he goes for like 120 yards, two touchdowns. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm with Ryan where like for Dynasty too. Like oh, yeah. he's just talented. I'm gonna take him and wait for the situation to improve. Like what Ryan said earlier. Also, I don't think anyone actually does it, but if anyone ever plays on prediction strike where it's like fantasy football stock market Thomas Marshall's the guy to buy <laughs> I, I, a quick thing on prediction strike like at the start of the offseason I bought so much DJ Moore stock because like he was 73 cents <laughs> we haven't even played any football and like it's gone up a lot because I yeah because I just went there and I looked and I was like he's 73 cents and then players that were like right around him because there's there's volume with more and everything, and it, they're like quadruple his price. And maybe it's because I've still got to learn some things on prediction strike. But I bought a lot of shares of DJ Moore. <laughs> Honestly, prediction strike is just I I I did it for like eight weeks, and I was right about like almost every single buy and sell I did. But it doesn't. <laughs> it, it's only useful for like super long. Like if you're gonna buy a guy for like three years. Because the the surcharges on your transactions were too high to put to give any value to like highly volatile trading. Like you couldn't trade guys week in and week out right. and try to get, earn a profit on it 
by saying like, Hey, I'm going to get this guy on his, on his blow up week, knowing that next week he's going to get smothered. And that's, I, for, so it just didn't catch my taste. I, I, I want gambling. That's a little bit more volatile. I got you. And at least like, you know, when the, any purchases I made on that, I at least had the right mindset, what you talked about of like, I thought of this as like dynasties, which is why I went, Oh yeah, I'll absolutely buy DJ more. Uh, I won't say how many shares, but uh, 73 cents a share. Uh, I was like, yes, because I believe in, in more for the long hauls. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> hey, I, listen, did we I just add it. another more into the conversation? We did. Listen, more mores. <laughs> I will take any more in Dynasty for the right price. And I, again, love DJ more. I love him in Dynasty. I, I think we will see at he'll he'll have a three or four year run where he just tears it up but it yeah. does, it's not starting this year Try to get ready for it. the only more we can't do is david more. can't do that but uh, any other more give me more <laughs> more 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 i'm trying to think of if there's a game that we haven't really Discuss. I think we've gone through just about all of them. There's still a handful. I mean, do we I got know? a bold prediction. Hey, hit us with it. Javonta Williams, RB1 in 2021. Okay. I don't know how bold that is, but I believe it. I think I'm one of the big, biggest Melvin Gordon fans that are out that there is out there. I've loved this dude since he came into the league. Always been a fan. He's done. He's cooked. Oh, I just don't see it. I think he's going to be very quickly become a complimentary piece to Javonta Williams is what I think is going to happen very early on, but we'll see. We'll see that, that, that offense uh, has to be good under Teddy. And I think it will be, I think it will be decent. I mean, again, last year in Carolina, I mean, look at what he did with the receivers. So, and this here in Denver, better defense, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by Denver this year, but I do believe that. I believe Javonta Williams can definitely finish and put up RB1 numbers this year just because aside from Melvin Gordon, there's not a lot around him, and I just don't I, – I just believe Mel, Melvin, Melvin Gordon's done, man. I just think he's done. I love it. Big fan of that. Also, like – they could straight up just trade him by week three if it's just apparent that, hey, man, like, why are we not right. giving the ball to Javonta Williams? And there's also that that non-zero percent chance that Javonta Williams leads the league in, like, breakaway runs, for example. Like, he's a tackle evader. That's a specialty. If he has the most runs of 50-plus yards this year, nobody's surprised. Right. Yeah, great pick. And this podcast has been pro Javante Williams. Yeah, we are definitely some (laughs) Javante Williams. (laughs) We have been way back when we were discussing rookies after the NFL draft. Like Ryan and I, we we were right there. We're like Javante Williams, dynasty, dynasty, RB1 this class. Because we've jokingly referred to Najee Harris, Travis Etienne as the uh the was it the outcast of the 2020 class like they they could have gone pro and they're like oh no we're not good enough we have to go back for our senior years (laughs) and you know pour one out for etn with the list frank but that is a bummer but javante williams yeah if if you wanted to win your league you you anchored a a running back in the first round 
in in the fifth round instead of Javante, you take like a high end like a T Higgins, a TJ Hawkinson, or like Lamar Jackson. You get Chase Edmonds in in the sixth to fill that RB two slot. Draft Corey Davis, win the first five weeks of Corey Davis, and then you also draft like a Naheem Hines or someone, and then you package Davis with some filler fluff flex running back, and you get Javante after through five weeks, he's like the RB forty, knowing that over the latter eleven weeks he's going to be the RB five, just week in week out, week in week out. So if you want to win your league, you don't draft Javante, Beautiful. you draft Corey Davis. Trade him for Javante right at that apex. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. That's me trying to play 3D chess when everyone's playing checkers. <laughs> well, and also like the, you know the, the this this was a fun article that that I did you know and I looked into like the the trade up uh, analysis for running backs in the NFL draft because Javante Williams was a trade up running back in like the key part of the draft, which is you want teams to trade up in the the top half of the second round so you know the, the picks one through 16 of the second round that's the sweet spot it literally hits every time small sample size there's only been four running backs before Javante Williams but like uh, I know Kerryon Johnson leaves a horrible taste in everyone's mouth but rookie season Kerryon Johnson it, he still produced something like 14 fantasy points uh, a game like he was he was rb2 in fantasy football that season and javante williams like it's like he's in like uh, jonathan taylor before him was was uh, traded up around a, a very similar uh draft pick range there it and in fact javante williams was the the highest second round draft pick that was traded up for like it, like i start pulling up all this stuff like it's not even for confirmation bias it's like i just start researching something and then it's like, oh, okay, well, here we got some of uh, Javante Williams. I wonder what the numbers say. Oh, my God, it says smash for Javante Williams. <laughs> like, fantasypoints.com, uh, they, they have Graham Barfield's yards created, and he dang near broke that, that system of yards created. And I was like, wow, like, why, why aren't we talking more about this guy? I pulled up his junior season compared to ETN and Najee Harris junior seasons and it favored Javante Williams. And so I went, look, like, I get the, the, the hype, like Najee Harris is going to be better his rookie season because from day one, we know Najee Harris is going to be the guy in Pittsburgh and Javante Williams got to kind of wrestle that crown from Gordon. Although that may happen a lot sooner than any of us thought. Like, I don't know this coaching staff, they are, they're, they're not, you know, sometimes with rookies, they'll, they'll try to be like, you know, he's good, but he's got to work on this, this, and this. Like they are, they came out recently and they're like, yeah, he, he can, he can pass protect, he can catch passes. He, he can run on early downs. Like they're just, everything is just saying he has graded everything in, in Fangio. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they, they said they could, they put him down early uh, for an every down role. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I get it. It's coach speak. <laughs> but guaranteed also yeah. their butts are a little hot there in Denver. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that played a part in why they went with Teddy less turnovers play the, you know, use our strong defense, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, you know, I don't think they'll be afraid to go with the better looking back at all. And I do think it's going to be proven early on that it's Javonta Williams. Absolutely. Love email. Been my guy. But it's about that time, brother. Sorry, sorry. Get, get him to Baltimore or somewhere. 
yeah. I mean, he'd be all right in Denver as a complimentary piece, but yeah, I could see him going in anywhere. I mean, who else needs help? Well, everybody will need help eventually. Everyone will need as help. As many injuries too. as there's been, there will be more. There will be more. The bloodbath has gotten started. started. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's how it goes, though. I definitely like the Javante Williams. My guy more so in that range is Chase Edmonds, but both are neck and neck. You can't really go wrong either way. I um, I'm I'm gonna have to get out of here soon, though. I'm gonna leave you guys out of here though with with a couple of bold takes if you would like to hear them. Absolutely. Let's go. Uh, so I'll start with my Super Bowl dark horses for both both conferences for right now. Not to bet those will come in a couple of weeks, but just okay. for like to follow as a fan teams that I think have a legitimate opportunity this season to be present in the Super Bowl for the AFC. I, I really like the Ravens, even with the injuries, because a lot of these guys will come back and I don't think JK Dobbins makes a difference in terms of a Super Bowl run. They can find someone by week 20 to fill that role. And I think otherwise a team that has only been a passing game away from a championship run. And I think now they have that passing game. So I like the Ravens as like a dark horse Super Bowl. I actually, I think it's going to shake out where the Browns win the division, but the Ravens end up in the Super Bowl. Mm. I think the Browns could finish as the number one seed, but not make the Super Damn. Bowl. I think they're very good this year. I mean, Kansas City will probably be the one seed, but the Browns will definitely be a competitor. Um, and then for the NFC, I, I mean, it's very obvious, but I, I do really like what's going on in Los Angeles with the Rams. So I, I'm not even going to explain it. I think everyone can just understand that it's it's simple enough as this is a – team that's still in their Super Bowl window and they just went from an average quarterback to an explosive playmaker and that that's really all, all, all I need to see is now you you can make those plays you couldn't make before and go off script a little bit more that's all I need to see so I I, I really like the Rams I really like the um the uh, the Ravens but I like to wait until like week four or five to make a Super Bowl bet because some of these contenders will be eliminated by week five because of an injury or this or that. And you can kind of narrow it down and you can see like which teams are meshing, which teams aren't. So I definitely um not going to bet on them yet, but I, I like those as like kind of slightly bolder looks, but also realistic. Um, mm. And then just, uh, I mean, other, other than that, it's just, it's really just getting the season started. I mean, I already shared my opinions with players like Corey Davis. You guys really went into other really good guys like Javante Williams and stuff. I think um, another guy I really like is I, I really like TJ Hawkinson to just make the same leap Darren Waller did last year. Darren Waller went from a fifth round pick to a second round pick. I think there's a lot of the same case for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, so I definitely fall on the bull side for Hawkinson than, than like the, you know, the bear side. Um and yeah, I also, I in hand in hand with the Ravens thing, I think Lamar could have another M- M- MVP run for sure. Um, mm. Decent bet, especially with the improved passing game options. And like, they're going to come back. Bateman's going to come back. He's not done for the year. His fantasy value shot right. for the year, but his exactly. usefulness value is still there. You know, um, yeah, I think the Jets will be watchable this year. Not good, but watchable. And that's all I care about. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and my God, every game that Annie Dalton starts is just going to be pain for me in a, in a visceral sense. But I just, I, I hope Fields is there by week three. It's not even a, a prediction. It's just a prayer. <laughs> I love it. 
Love it. I, you know what? I'm not going to be surprised if we see Justin Fields third quarter of week one, because I could just see fucking Andy Dalton going out there and being atrocious against that Rams defense and Nagy just going, okay, fuck this. Get him in there. <laughs> oh, you know what? Speaking of that, because everyone seems to be just ignoring the fact that Trey Lance has this minor injury. I was looking at the slate. My boldest prediction for the week will be Jimmy Garoppolo, top five fantasy scoring quarterback week one. Dude is going to be fighting for his life for his job, right. and I think when they get in the red zone and they're and they're they're like whatever what whatever play he goes to the line of scrimmage with, he's just going to audible it to a dump off past the Kittle, and <laughs> he's just going to be like, "Listen, I need to do as much as I can." I think too, I think the team could put him out there and say, "Listen, just pass it." It's the Lions; they suck, and they might try to fluff his stats to make him more sellable. You know, right. like, hey, look, look, at, look at my mint condition, you know, 80s Corvette. Like, is it yeah. as fast as the 2018 one? No, but it's in good shape. And look, it's still purrs. Like, <laughs> let me get a first round pick. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I actually love like the Garoppolo IU Kittle stacks on DFS right now. Like that's, I think, I think we could just see him come out and shut it up week one. So that would probably be the boldest prediction because you were talking about Fields finding the field week one. I mean, uh, Lance, um, no, no, Fields. And like Lance, we know for sure is not playing week one now. So Jimmy G to the moon. Jimmy G to the moon. But week I'll tell one. you one really quick it. thing. One quick thing I did in a league, a super flex league, is I took Trey Lance, right? as my second quarterback. But like I was already like I already have formulated the plan. It was before the injury and everything. But I was like, okay, like Lance probably isn't going to go in week one. And I was like, I know what I need to do. I, I waited. I even drafted defense kicker in my final pick in the draft, Jimmy Garoppolo, because I was like, hey, I'm just I'm going to get a start or two maybe in in which the 49ers schedule is very favorable. <laughs> It was like, hey, we're going to get some games out of Garoppolo while still having the upside of Trey Lance for hopefully, you know, I mean, that takeover is going to happen. And so it's like, this is perfect. Kind of get the best of both worlds. And I had a friend that was in that league that noticed I did that. We drafted another league and they did that. They didn't quite pull it off quite as well. They, they panicked and went Garoppolo early. I was like, no, no, no. You have to wait for the last pick. <laughs> so you can maximize all your other draft picks. But I, I was super happy. That's the only league I did that in. Just want to kind of try that. That's pretty cool. And we're going to see how that goes. Come that on, was, Garoppolo. That was a master strokes move. I mean, because listen, <laughs> this isn't best ball. In a redraft league, if you're going to take Fields or Lance, you should yeah. take two quarterbacks. But Fields and Lance are the first quarterback. And then you yeah. stream the other quarterback until they start. If you take them as your second quarterback, A, like, like if you take Dak and Fields, you can't start both, and no one's going to trade you value for a quarterback in a one QB redraft league. You just, it's going to sit on your bench. So, like, you got to, yeah, you got to gear it so that the second Lance is starting, just cut the other guy. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Gone. Gone. I love it. That's, that's, see, that's how I know you're an expert, Aaron. <laughs> that was just uh, 3D chess. Everyone 3D else is out chess. here playing Connect Four. It's, it's it's all the those best ball drafts with the underworld and getting my ass kicked at that. Like it's you know, I pick up on some of these things. <laughs> and talking to you about game theory, talking to talking to anybody in the underworld, you know, it just iron sharpens iron. It's so true. It's well, true. 
I um I definitely hope you guys enjoyed having me on again and be ready because now that Always. football actually starts, this is the last time yes. I'll sound smart talking about it because <laughs> now I'm just gonna be wrong for 18 weeks. So that should be fun. Um, I'm about as humble as as I am proud. So we'll see how it goes. Go. Well, and before we get you out too, we also have to you you have you have your own podcast that you just recorded. You got new content, and for people that want to follow along. There is a Twitter page for that. Of course, you need to follow the EDG at Value Draft Picks, but also he has a new Twitter page for this new podcast that I can't wait to, to, to listen to. I know Ryan's going to be the same way, too. We're going to learn yeah. some things about some cryptocurrency and some NFL betting. And that Twitter handle is at Parlay Crypto. Definitely need to follow that. We recommend that here in the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. I appreciate it, man. That was a, a great sign off. Yeah, check it out. Blockchain sports bets. It's going to be everything great blockchain and sports bets. And then if you want to hear me talk about fantasy, you got to do it here on the Dynasty Wonderland because this That's is where I get it done best. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I will talk to you guys later. Have a good night and best of luck to you come Thursday. Awesome. Same to you, Sir, man. Have a wonderful evening. And then there are two. Yeah, it's hard being a host. <laughs> All right, you, you make crypto. it seem so easy. Yeah, parlay crypto. Blockchain sports bets? I know absolutely nothing about crypto. I've always been intrigued by it. It is, I've always told myself I'm I would like to to research and learn more about it, but then I always find myself just diving deeper into wide receiver cornerback matchups because that article is written tentatively i'm sure i'm going to go back and tinker with it a little bit um right you know i've mentioned to to the listeners before you jumped on pod i have a spicy sit option um it's actually one of the los angeles rams i'm not a fan of robert woods week one <laughs> but i'll mm. really leave for the for the listeners of the show because they'll listen before the article goes live is it really comes down to the Vegas, uh, Vegas spread on this. Rams are favored by seven and a half points. And typically when the Rams are, when they cover, or no, sorry. As long as they win and they are favored by a lot, they, Woods, when they are desperate, they utilize them. When it's kind of a pushover game, like it's projected to be, Woods really isn't involved much at all. So Sorry for you guys that drafted Robert Woods. I'm telling you guys to take your, what, fourth, fifth round draft pick in all your redraft leagues. And if you want to win week one, not to start him, despite 87% of ESPN leagues currently starting him. But that is my bold sit. And the, the two I think I'm leaning on with starts are, you know, some late round guys. Uh, Russell Gage. I love Russell Gage. You talked about. Give, give you the birds. Russell Gage is in a great mm-hmm. matchup there. And the the other one is Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. Oh, man. I know we've only seen oh, bits and pieces. Yeah. I yeah. keep staring at the Colts Seahawks game and I just keep thinking, man, I hope Carson Wentz doesn't suck. I'm not expecting him to be, because I was never a big Carson Wentz guy, but mm-hmm. he's had some periods of time where he's been really fucking good and you can't ignore that. So I don't expect him to get to that level, but if he can give us a majority of that, this Colts offense could be really good. And I fucking love Paris Campbell this year. So I'm glad you brought him. Well, and not just that. And I get like, Oh man, like 
we, it's been a tough start to his young career because it's been nine total games in which that ninth game, that second game last year, he played like one snap, got hurt on it. So really it's more like mm-hmm. he's played eight games and there's, there is some hope there for Paris Campbell because I know a lot of people go, okay, Hilton's injured. Clearly someone's got to be the guy. People go Michael Pittman in which I do like Pittman's matchup. Seattle secondary is just trash. It's trash. They tried to improve it this offseason. They went and got Akello Weatherspoon from the division rival of 49ers, and he was so bad that they traded him. So like, signed him in the offseason. He even like he wasn't even going to start. He wanted out. They traded him. Uh, but the, the thing, the thing with the the Colts receivers is you go to player profiler, you don't have to dig too deep on this. When you look at hog rate and target rate, and those are really indicative of receivers that are, are sorry, stats for receivers that their offenses want to feature them. That's not Pascal, and that's that's not Pittman. Like they they both had target rates below 10%. And or no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Uh hog rates under 10%, which that put them like in the 150s. I believe amongst ranked receivers and Paris Campbell was, I want to say in his two seasons, it's like 13% and 15%. Like what that, what that tells us is Campbell's on the field. Campbell gets the targets. And that's the mm-hmm. important thing. And we saw it in one game last year in week one targeted nine times, six catches, 71 yards. That was a no touchdowns, but that was enough to be wide receiver 28 which that's what I'm trying to target in these articles is I want mm. a wide receiver 30 finisher higher. I'm basically looking for guys that you can more than likely, you got greater than a 50% chance of picking up like on game day that can give you a flex start. Um, and, and Campbell, you know, that's, that's a bad injury history. It's, Oh goodness. Lower extremity injuries across the board. He tore with the MCL and PCL last year in his knee hamstring strains. And really what I go with is we're probably, this isn't a prediction for the full season. Paris Campbell's healthy. Start him when he's healthy because you don't know how many games you're going to get, but I freaking love Paris Campbell and I love Russell Gage for, for those teams that are, maybe they got, Michael Thomas or Rashad Bateman and some options that aren't going to be there for week one. Don't worry. You can find some production and go super deep Rondell Moore. A lot of upside. I love it, man. I love it. <sighs> well, buddy, I don't know. What You got anything else? I think the audience at this like... point is tired of hearing my voice. We've been recording for, I've had this recording going for about two and a half hours. It was some good stuff. We managed to get a couple of people on the show. It worked there, you know, full of transparency. We told the audience there's no show sheet. And yeah. admittedly, you know, before you start, when you hit, before you hit record, you go, how the heck are, are you going to talk for that long? Well, then it just kind of happens. You get some good conversation. Oh, yeah. I think people that hopped on, uh, we we appreciate them. Um, oh, the listeners, sure. the listeners got good stuff. They got some good stuff. It's regular season. I'm saying it's officially here. Like this is week right. one, and oh, I'm ready for, for meaningful yeah. football. 
Me too, man. I'm ready for it. I tell you what. And I'm going to be getting into my infirmary writing tomorrow. Going to get prep this uh, week one, and we're going to get into it. And I'm excited, excited for Thursday night football. We're finally getting the football, as you said. And and just to let the listeners know, uh, things are going to be changing up a little. I know they're already changed because I probably sound worse. And well, at least now I got a good background again. So that's, that's a positive, but we'll keep improving as I adjust at my new place, but other adjustments, we're going to be doing two episodes a week from here on out. We're not sure exactly how we're going to handle it, but basically we're going to come at you immediately after the games on Sunday and we're going to do a Sunday breakdown pod and then I'm going to try and get it out late night so that if anybody's up and wants to hear it they can hear it so that'll be our Sunday breakdown pod and then within a couple days into the week we're going to try and get in there preview the next week a little bit talk some way to wire stuff things like that so that's kind of the plan still a work in progress but you will for sure for sure get a pod this coming Sunday night after week one of NFL action. And we're going to be fucking stoked, man, to finally be talking about some football, some real fucking football. So yes, we're there, Aaron. We've reached, we've reached it by the time this comes out, it'll be Tuesday. And that's just a couple of days away from the numero uno game. So this is, this is great. This is great. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Ah, me too. Me too, brother. It has been an off season of grinding out articles and research and podcasts all for this culmination. Mm -hmm. And there is, there's a relief. Now it's also kind of a quick turnaround because as you mentioned, you've got your weekly series and I've already mentioned to, to listeners earlier, I've got a couple of weekly series. So it's, I get to briefly relax, breathe, and then turn around and just nonstop work and just know people like, Every evening I'm working on fantasy football stuff. Every evening you're working on fantasy football stuff and we're going to bring good stuff. So listen, oh, yeah. keep on listening. We're going to have good stuff to podcasts. Don't worry. They're not going to be like this. They're not going to be over two and a half hours. We're, we're going to target what? Like 40, 45 minutes for, for each one. Yeah, we'll do something like that. I'd say we'll try and keep each one under an hour. Um, but definitely the Sunday now, oh, we'll just see how it goes, man. We'll kind of, uh, we'll just kind of, we're, you know how we do here, people. We just kind of <laughs> fucking roll with it and see what happens. I mean, we're not afraid of that. So that's uh, kind of the plan for this as well. And uh, and don't, and I'm not going to let Aaron lie for me. I do not work on this shit every night. <laughs> I, 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 but I do. There's a lot, I swear, there's just this chunk of my brain that is strictly devoted to fantasy football because it's like even when I'm on like just a quick break at work it's like I hop on the phone bleach report what's up with the NFL news how does this any any of this pertain to fantasy to my teams what could be on? so it's something that maybe not specifically working on it every single day but there's a chunk of my brain that is always ha- has focus on what we call fantasy football, <laughs> which is crazy because it's just a stupid big game, but we love it. We love it. And now we get to see 
how right we have been all off season, how wrong we have been all off season. But the great thing is, is particularly when you do dynasty. And this is one of the reasons I so I love it so much is that throughout the season, even if you're losing, even if it, no matter what's going on, there's knowledge to be gained. There's moves to be made. There's always in dynasty leagues, there's always something that's going on that you can be doing for your team. And so that's one of the beauties of of that particular style and why we love it so much here uh, in the wonderland. So I'm excited to get back into it, to get the real football, as I've said a million times, but I'm just excited. Aaron. I really am. And, and and we're going to get, you know, new shows that this is going to be fun. I'm really stoked for the 2021 season because, you know, last year I was riding this shit solo. And so to have someone come on, become my, my co-host, my partner. And, and now we have built this beautiful thing and we get to roll in to our first season together. And I'm just, I'm fucking ready to roll brother. Me too, man. Me too. This podcast means so much to me. The, the amount of time we get to spend, this talking shop it's just it's fun right and it's been so hard the past couple of weeks man because i've had so much shit go and i felt bad because there's been like delays and all this and i and it's and it's not for lack of caring but you know sometimes you hit those rough patches and you find a way to do what you got to do and uh, we were still even last week able to get a pod i was sitting i was sitting in my bedroom last week when we did that pod boxes everywhere <laughs> and, and and just like sitting on my floor i've got my laptop on top of this container it's, it's just it, it was insane so like it's despite the crazy week just to get on and talk football and know we are just a few days away from the real fucking thing and uh so that we're rolling into this shit wonderland and all the chatter and the captain and uh we're coming for you we we're 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 gonna because you know i think edg would have best one of the things with uh the underworld and a lot of like well kind of what we all do is we all we have different things we attack and there's definitely um you know things we're able to take from all the information available at the underworld and that's something we continuously do throughout the season so uh lots more information still to come lots more content and uh yeah we're just getting started now that the nfl is so and i'm gonna shut up and quit my rambling so any final thoughts from you aaron before we get out of here oh i i think i've got all my thoughts out there and people are probably tired of hearing me speak so let's just say Thank God football's back and can't wait when we record on Sunday. We will have so much to talk about. It's going to be, it's going to be, yes, it is. And I I have one more, it kind of boldish take because the EDG brought up TJ Hawkinson. And I love that take because I do feel like there are some tight ends. You know, we, we've always for years and years thought, Hey, where's, you know, we're going to have more breakout tight ends. And it's, it's always been just, you know, those top guys, right? It's, it's just, and it's never broken away from that, but it does feel just, you know, NFL over the years been going a little more pass heavy and you just see certain trends. And I just see, you know, multiple teams using two tight ends and, and more and things like that to where, we could get some more 
valuable tight ends out there than just those top guys. And so I'm going to round it out with five. If you've got the top three, your Kittle, your Waller, your who the hell am I missing? Of course, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> but then you throw TJ Hawkinson in there. I'm going to make that number four. Now, of course, everyone's thinking Kyle Pitts. Not this year. Logan Thomas, baby. Logan Thomas. I think he, you know, people are worried about target competition and all this. And I just got to say, man, that team's going to be another year improved. They did it last year with that plethora of whatever quarterbacks they had there. So now you got Fitzpatrick, possibly a little Taylor Haneke. And I think Logan's still going to get his fair share. And I think he's going to Dude's a monster. I think he's going to have a really, really good year. So, and I, and I know you love some Logan too. So I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just, I, I, you know what? I, I missed part of the pod. I got here late. So it's like, and you guys talked so much. I was like, and I was happy to get in with you guys when I did, but I'm like, now I'm like, okay, we need to end the pod. <laughs> I got to just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Cause I, they, 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 they need to hear more of me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I like that Logan Thomas take because right before we recorded a pod, I had probably my most exciting fantasy football draft. Like, this is crazy. It is, it was real quick 10 teams, 16 rounds. You start 12 guys. There's no defense, no kickers. So mm-hmm. I love those leagues where large starting lineups, small benches, and filled with flex spots and flexibility. Like, there it was two QB and super flex but it had like scott fishbowl quarterback scoring so you really mm. had to make sure to get qbs and like it, you know you may not necessarily start a qb in the super flex and that you could draft right. tight ends and it's tight end premium but there was no you could in theory start zero tight ends and i mentioned all that because i got logan thomas and i'm just thrilled i i actually love drafting tight ends in this format because people always go ah i don't have to start a tight end i don't fade them well yeah and this one i got darren waller <laughs> pretty early got logan thomas in the middle and then my final two rounds 15th 16th round a little negative correlation there john smith hunter henry because why not <laughs> those are those are the the top two passing options in new england so mm-hmm. all that to say if Logan Thomas ends up being the number five tight end in this, then that looks really good for that fantasy right. team. Hell yeah. All right, buddy. Well, let's call it good. Let's call it good, man. We got some guests on. Had a lot of different aspects of, of fantasy betting and all that going on. Covered some ground, made some predictions and whatnot. I think a good overall long-ass show, but a good overall show. And uh, we look forward to a fun Sunday one, my friend. And we're going to be 100% correct. So that's why people are going to listen to this, this nearly (laughs) three-hour podcast, because all the takes in this are 100% correct. Right. Exactly. We hope. (laughs) (laughs) I know we didn't get intro music. Do we have outro music? Um, you know what? It won't let me share the screen. Oh, that's okay. Since I, <laughs> no, that's okay. It's it's been a weird pie. It's been a weird couple of weeks. The people will understand. It the works. the madcaps will understand. So it, it, we're all mad bang. here. I mean, you know, I had to do kind of my headbang to 
right all right well yeah just, we, we we could just pretend but i think at this point it's too late it's too late by the way i don't know if you saw but AEW is just fucking loaded on talent now. Woo, woo, woo. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at Crazy. that. We'll, leave it. we'll have to get into that some other time. Well, actually, we'll be just talking about football, but we'll, we'll talk off camera about that sometime. That was a man. AEW is looking something crazy for wrestling fans out there. We could talk about it after we after I stop recording this. I That's certainly true. don't mind taking some time to talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, I am down. All right, buddy. Well, let's go ahead and end this shit. And uh, everybody, we appreciate it. Don't forget to check out us, our pod, at DW underscore pod on the Twitters. Check us out. Give us a follow. And good luck to everyone this week. I mean, hey, week one, it's always a big one. You want to win that first week. So good luck to everyone. Hopefully, we have helped you out in some way. Hopefully, like Aaron said, we're 100% right. So, of course, we have. Of course, we have. So, yes, good luck to everyone. And we will chat again Sunday. Aaron, until then, good buddy. <laughs>